uh, did you leave at the end of last session? Yeah, I started heading towards the sleigh um, to connect with Isobai uh, and uh, see if find a way to get that sleigh back. I was I was hoping to beat. I think I think there was a slight discussion on what like the the orcs were heading southeast or something, and I was. Oh yeah, they're heading sleigh. not quite in the direction that uh this we parked the sleigh. Yeah. So you okay? You begin to just take a look at the map there. Oh, oh, man! Did you break the map? No, I just. I sure want to clear all drawings. And no, how do you just clear like something you've drawn? Oh, you can like highlight it. Oh, you can just write. Select. Yeah. Thank you. Sorry, guys. Give me two two seconds. Yeah, so... Andre, you had kind of just outside the southeastern gate where you guys are now. You head towards the southeast, uh, back up this clearing towards where the iron and Isobai was left. And you can kind of from this top vantage point as you approach up this hill, um, you can see the orcs fleeing directly south. Uh, they're almost on a lower a lower path than you, so you're actually above them, kind of looking down as they as they flee. You notice that most of the guards have kind of pulled off. You know, they chased them for maybe a, a few hundred feet, maybe a quarter mile, as begin to to flee back to what looks like to be the spine of the world. And you are... Uh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, Edric's going to um, cast Cure Wounds on himself. He's going to hobble back to the group just as Andres darts off into the direction of the sleigh and then recognizing where he's likely going. 
Uh, I got to top myself up and then I'll follow behind them. Okay, so you, you've topped yourself up and you are going to head... You're going to head back with Andre? Yeah. Krug and, Krug and Storm, are you following suit or are you going to... Actually, uh, point of like so, the summoned orc. Yeah. Did that appear to be clearly a ghost, or did it appear to be? It was translucent. Yeah, it was ethereal. Okay, so it wasn't, and and it's gone, or it followed them. Uh, no, the orc, uh, the orc disappeared after his conversation with with Krug. Okay. Well, then, yeah, I, I would definitely follow uh yeah same look back maybe i'm sure there's some of the uh, archers up there looking but yeah i'm also heading to the cart actually we could even probably solicit some help on the way out are those guards or what are those behind us if we're if we're facing the gate i guess um yeah, everything that says does it. I, sorry, I keep forgetting that it doesn't. I don't know how to make the. Uh, I don't know how to make the nameplate visible. There, there is definitely a way. We had played it with it before. Like I have it clicked. I'm pretty sure, anyway. By, I will figure that out. Sorry, I did not make the list of things I needed to accomplish today. No worries. Um, but yeah, everything behind you is. You guys can see them, though, right? Yeah, yeah, they kind of look like uh, dark-skinned, bald, dark-skinned. Uh, yeah, they're all veterans of, of the army. They're all in nice, you know, they're wearing nice, they're wearing colors of Bryn Chander. Uh, they have the emblem of Bryn Chander uh, emblazed on, on them and on their cloaks as well. Um, they're well-armored. Um, they're not wearing plate, but they do have chain mail. And this looks to be like the core group of... of of the army that, like the standing army of Bryn Chander. Well, if there are any milling about as we head out, um, I will just shout to them. We have a delivery for the Black Iron Blades. If you'd be willing to assist us in getting it here. Yeah, they're just, a couple of them are kind of just walking back ahead of the group that is chased out after these, these orcs. Hoi, what's that there? What can we do for you? We've recovered a delivery for the Black Iron Blades, and we could use some assistance getting it back to town. Yes, of course. And we appreciate your assistance on the battlefield. As we have he's, he's kind of, uh, kind of looks like he's in charge of a, a subgroup as he hollers to a, a couple of armed men. Uh, to go and aid you as they head off into the snow with you. And uh, you guys begin traveling back. We're going to use the Bryn Chander map. Um, and did that change the map for you guys? Yep. Yeah. And the blue, the blue circle there as you kind of head back from the south gate. Um, you guys head out and you can see 
soldiers kind of still chasing after. the orcs as they flee in this direction. Ah, nice. And yeah, you travel you travel back up the way with two guards in tow behind you. As you can see in the distance at the kind of the top of this this hill. Uh, you see the cart is still there. And Andres, you kind of the first one to crest up above this hill. Um, you can see Isabai hiding on the opposite side of the cart, um, away from the orcs that are fleeing, kind of down through this valley uh, to, the, to the west of you. Um, all right, and as soon as I see Isabai, um, <clears throat> I, I can't remember. We had him bound before, but I cut him. No, you, you cut his, yeah, you cut him. He's free. Yeah. Um, and you can see him not quivering, but you can see him, you know, hiding behind the cart as he's kind of looking off into the distance at these orcs uh, running to the south. They're probably about, you know, a quarter mile away. Okay. Andre will kind of gruffly stay to him. Uh, hop in and look helpless. You'll be fine. Yes. Orxus. Orxus. What? What are they doing at the city? I'm not exactly sure, but they've been routed. Are they coming? Are they coming this way? Do they look for the iron? No, not the iron. And he's gonna start kind of... Is there... Is there? Um, I guess we had that kind of rope all fastened with the, with the wolves. And did we cut that as well as soon as the wolves started going janky? Uh, you guys cut both of the both of the hempen ropes, but I believe they... They did fall off of the wolves. Yeah, so they're are they're still attached to. Our they're they're still slave. attached. Yes. Okay, so Andre is going to try and start fashioning kind of um, <clears throat> rope like loops that we can hook to the legs, attached to the sleigh, so we can kind of uh, drag it, drag it. Um, I think by this time, Edric would have been caught up with him and he can definitely help him rig up something like that. Yeah, as you guys are rigging it up, uh, Krug, Sorn, and and these two guards make their way up up the hill. And uh, the guards see what's happening and they start to grab the ropes over their shoulders and are, you know, preparing to drag the iron ore back down. Um, and as Izubai sees these, you know, very well-dressed militant armor come up, you can see him kind of start to move his way towards Andre, kind of unsure where he's going to fit into all of this. Mm-hmm. And he's still on the sleigh, hey? Yeah. Perfect. Andre will kind of be pushing the back corner of the sleigh. 
And what of Isabai? I I protected your iron. I I look after for you. Friend, perhaps to dwarf. Prove yourself trustworthy and you may you may stick around, but for now we you make it look like you are a prisoner. I I I understand. I understand. As he kind of holds out his his hands to be bound again. Uh, Andre kind of finds a scrap rope and just loosely wraps it around. Doesn't even tie it. Just wraps it. He notices. And his Andre's focus is kind of elsewhere, more more so on the on the quarry currently. The the ore. Isabai looks to you um, almost with a reverence. Now he appreciates appreciates the looseness of the bindings. As uh, the guards kind of look look to you, Andre, um, for the the word to begin pulling. Eve, as they dig their shoulders uh, into the rope, and they begin to pull the sled, which because you're on the top of a hill, um, it starts to it, it's not going overly fast. It's a, it's a very long as you kind of begin this easy descent down towards the, the southwest gate. As the, the gate becomes visible? Uh, the gate is visible from where you are. You can, you can see from this distance. Um, okay. I'm going to touch, touch Isabai and cast Invisibility. Uh, um, he can't run off. He can't make it back alive. He needs no, a, no. Yeah, no, no. no. So, Isabai, Isabai. Less questions, the better. So, Isabai now is invisible. Um, he wouldn't. Would he even know that he's invisible? I. He'd probably be curious about the touch, right? And then maybe notice his own. I don't know. He's wondering where his dick at. (laughs) But you, when you're invisible, you're still visible to yourself, right? I honestly have no idea. Yeah, these are the questions. No, it's gonna be. I just watched. I just watched Lord of the Rings. So there's gonna be a whole lot of Lord of the Rings references. I think it'd be like when Frodo's invisible. He still sees himself. He's just invisible to everybody else. So you kind of lay a hand on Isabai and you you murmur these words. What? What are you doing? Are you putting a curse on Isabai? I helped you. Just be quiet and stick by us. No, please. Please. Isabai just wants to help. I will be quiet. I will be quiet. As he's, you know, visibly now shaking, concerned that he's has some sort of a hex put on him. Oh, bye, baby. As the uh, the sled starts to gather up a little bit of speed with the two guards pulling it. I'm assuming you guys are helping push the sled? Yeah. yeah. And you guys begin your descent down into the city. Uh, it only takes about you know, 20 minutes of, of, of light, light effort as you guys kind of roll back up 
into the current scene that you were just at as you see now a bunch of guards uh, tending to the gate. They're starting to move bodies, move debris, move wreckage. Uh, they're cleaning up the gate and they're starting to drag starting to drag the dead bodies of the orcs um, for some sort of you know burial or mass grave or even just to drag them away from the city to, to be left behind. As the We've veteran. had a long day. Let's let's get in there and uh, to resolve this, so we can sit down with a hot meal. Yeah, as they're kind of re- as they're starting to repair the gate, uh, they've now managed to pry the gates open. So the gates are the gates are open despite the wreckage from the battering ram. As the four of you kind of approach the gate, um, the veterans are. The two guards are still pulling the gate or pulling the the sled for you as they kind of make their way through the gates as the four of you are with the sled behind. And as they pull into the city, you see them stop about, you know, 30 feet in front of this uh, very tall. Uh, he's wearing chain mail, but his cloak is you know, fastened with a large uh, fur cloak over it. Uh, He's very finely dressed, although heavily armored, as they kind of stop and, and, you know, bow in front of this man, you know, give him a, he gives him a sharp salute as uh, this man approaches the group. Hail them! Um, Just real quick, before we get too close to the gate, Edric will duck off into a bush for a minute or so. And then yeah. jump back out and then keep pushing. Of course, of course. So you guys are all kind of coming through the gate now with this uh, large sled of iron. Get Andre in the mix too here. And um, you can see the this very, very tall, very dark-skinned man uh, talking to his veterans. Um, as you see him, he waves them away. And they kind of begin to space out to the side, and they almost fall into military rank as this gentleman approaches. Now, when you say dark-skinned... Yes. Uh, no. Okay. Human. Human, human dark-skinned. Just checking. No, yeah, no, 100%. I, uh, and if for any reason I'm ever not saying anything the way it should be said, please feel free to correct, correct me. But yes, no, tall, dark-skinned human. Uh, very visibly human. You there. What is this that you bring into the city? Uh, I guess I have charisma. So uh, it's a delivery for the Black Iron Blades. And what is this cargo? that you aim to deliver? I believe it's it's dwarven iron. And if you don't mind me asking, where did you come by this iron? Uh, we, we retrieved it from some goblins <laughs> who had stolen it. Goblins? We hmm. made a deal with the dwarfs to take care of 
the beast that has been killing people outside of your town. Yes. I've heard of such happenings. I'm aware. Evander Kane spoke to me not too long ago as he informed the speaker, Duvessa Shane. I'm glad that you have managed to retrieve the iron. The dwarves will be most happy. I've also heard reports of your honor and valor in helping us on the battlefield. It would have been easy for you to circumnavigate the fight. We're here to aid you any way we can. Hmm. Well, an odd group, but perhaps Evander was right in bringing you all together. My, my, the speaker, would like to dine with you this evening, if you could come to her abode at the castle. Uh, sorry, did he say that the speaker was uh, Duvessa Shane? That's correct. She has much to discuss with you. Edric just kind of leans over to Krug. We, do we want to do that? We want to do that, right? Yeah, with people of importance, it's good. It's important to, uh, you know, create strong bonds. Oh. Right. Let us wrap up our delivery and lick our wounds, and we will be there for dinner. Excellent. I will inform her. And, like, and you can kind of see behind, uh, you see, you know, veterans start to fall into, into line um, as you see a, a hooded woman uh, standing, you know, 40 yards, 40 feet behind, uh, turn and start to make her way kind of back through the city. People are starting to, to mill about and kind of come out and, you know, there's veterans and, and army Men, you know, starting to corral people away from, away from all the, the carnage that's happened. There's still bodies being dealt with uh, in the main square. As uh, Sheriff uh, introduces himself, uh, my name is... <laughs> Sorry, guys, there's going to be a lot of names here. You got my notes ready. My name is Markham Southwell. My... Run the military aspect of Bryn Shander. I thank you for your service. I will let the speaker know that you will arrive at six o'clock for dinner. We will see you shortly. Uh, you realize just as it's kind of beginning to, to darken in the sky, you've probably got a few hours before, before this appointment. And he kind of snaps sharply, <clears throat> sharply uh, salutes you, turns on his heel. And begins to walk after Duvessa. Alright, I guess we... Do we know where the... We would find the Black Iron Blades? If not, we would ask him. Yeah. Ah. Uh, uh, the Black Iron Blades. And he, you know, explains to you in very solid detail where it is. Uh, you would have no, you know, no problems finding anything in the city. I was, I was pushing the cart in the city. Uh, it's a little, it's a little bit easier, uh, just because it's you know, beaten down snow uh, that kind of packs the city, the city streets. 
Um, it's even for the four of you to, you know, pull and push. This is a very little effort for you guys. All right. So you kind of start... yeah. You head down the main like the a main straight path. path. That's good. Yeah, straight. It's a, it's basically a straight path to the city center. Um, as you travel <laughs> through the city, uh, you see people milling about everywhere. Um, a lot of them look very scared. They're standing close to their doors. Um, you can hear them talking. Um, a lot of the conversation. Uh, being, you know, is everything okay? Has anybody died? Um, you know, kind of the happenings of of the war that just took place, the attack on their city. Um, and yeah, you make your way kind of into the main thoroughfare of the city center. As there's now people, you see more and more people grouped together. Um, a safety at this distance as, again, the, the rumors are kind of flying around. Orcs! I heard it was orcs! I heard it was a, a great deal of orcs! Attacked us! We haven't been attacked in 30 years! And you kind of hear, like, all of these different groupings. Uh, Krug, roll me a perception check, buddy. Alright, alright, 18. And, Krug, as you're kind of pushing this cart... Um, right where right where you guys are in between kind of two longer buildings um, you see down this alley and you kind of just catch this glimpse of this woman wearing tattered furs she's got black you know smudges on her face she, she looks to be almost homeless and it just strikes you, and in, in, in everything that you see, you look down, and something about the color of the tattered robes that she's wearing. Um, she's got kind of like a, a do-rag wrapped back on her head. Um, as she's staring at you, as you kind of travel past her, she has a very mousy look to her from what you can tell. Um, again, you, you're kind of in the middle of you know, somewhat hard labor. Um, as you look down this alleyway, and, and it just, her, her face sticks in your memory. I, uh, I, I say, um, if you guys got this, uh, a cobalt's got to drain the main vein, you know? <laughs> Where are you going? Cobalt's are small, right? Yeah. yeah. It's not like he was much help anyway. <laughs> oh no! I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, as soon as as soon as Krug stops pushing from the back, you notice the you notice the effort needed to pull the car almost almost double. Uh, <laughs> like, you left with this. Uh, there's quite a bit of strength going on there. Uh, I, I go approach the woman. I, I duck into that alley. As uh, you duck into the alley, uh, she immediately kind of slides back in behind some large barrels uh, down the alleyway. Um, she doesn't run from you. Uh, she just moves, like she sees you coming and, you know, moves seven steps back and kind of around these, these large, you know, water 
basin barrels that are there. Uh, I approach her, say, hello there. Uh, you don't have to be looking for somebody like me, are, are you? And as you, as you step around, you see her, you see her stand up much straighter. Um, you know, this meek kind of mousy homeless lady, uh, still dressed in that attire. But as you walk around, she kind of stands up. You are Krug, I assume. That's right. Uh, Beldora, Beldora, I take it. That is correct. It is a pleasure to meet you. I trust Leosin is fine. Pleasure's mine, yeah. Leosin seems to be in good health. Excellent. Well, I'm glad that you made it to the city. Have you heard much news? Honestly, I have not been in town very off, very long. We, uh, there was a bit of an emergency that I ran to. I was hoping maybe you could give me some info. Yes, well, I've been here for nearly a year and a half now. I know for a fact that the Arcane Brotherhood has been searching for something. Something out in the, in the tundra. I've not yet been able to figure out what, but something to do with this Evander Kane. I believe he is definitely part of this Arcane Brotherhood, and I believe he is working towards the findings. It seems that it's under the guise of helping the city, but as you know, the Arcane Brotherhood is always out to help themselves. That, combined with the fact that Zemterum have now started to infiltrate some of the cities, I don't have much information as I haven't been able to leave Bryn Shander. But I believe, and I will get you some notes, there is a man named Nerf. Nerf Max. He is, he is the main speaker of a town to the east of here. It is said that he is Zemterum, and he comes from the streets of Luskin. Uh, the city name is... Sorry, guys, this one was a bit on the fly. East Haven. <laughs> East of here, East Haven. East Haven, yeah, very clever. <laughs> um, if the Zenterum get a stronghold, as you know, there can be major troubles for the people of Ten Towns. And you, you suspect Nerf is as well part of the Zenterum? It has been reported to me Sightings of the flying snakes, so accustomed to their ilk. Right. I'm wondering what the importance is. When I got here, Evander Kane was assumed I was sent here by a her. He had no idea I was actually sent here by Leosin. Sent here by whom? Evander Kane just said, she, her. I'm not sure who he was referring to. Would you have an idea? To the best of my knowledge, Leo Sin spoke to the council at Waterdeep. They were looking for someone to aid in the troubles here, and Leo Sin would rather have one of his own involved than anybody else. I'm not sure who she is. Of course. Well, I'm hoping to find... Uh... A connection between Evander Kane, the Arcane Brotherhood, and Nerf, 
and Zentarum. Thank you so much. If I figure out anything else, or if I need more info, I'll come find you. Please. I have a very good network. I will be able to get word out. If you need anything in the meantime, just ask, and I'll see what I can find out. Um, I'll let you know. Thanks. And I rush back to the cart. So from our perspective, he said, I got a piss and then ducked into the alleyway. Yeah. While in the center of town where there's probably plenty of places to use the restroom. Totally. Okay. <laughs> this savage. Uh, yeah, no, you would, you would, you would, you would trough off down an alley for sure. For sure. Uh, well, at least I would anyways. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, sorry, I'm. It's uh, it's Targos, Krug. Targos, the city that she gave you. Okay. Uh, in the meantime, you guys have now kind of pulled up to the the Black Iron Blades with this sled, as as uh, as Krug is still kind of conducting his business. Um, as we approach, I will cast guidance on myself. Uh, you walk up to a uh, an enclosed building, uh, but very well ventilated. You can see smoke and smoke rising from the the gigantic chimney on top of it. Um, you see a wooden sign of two black blades crossed on the outside of it. Uh, you can hear the the clanging of steel on steel. Um, even from this distance, you can smell the, the smokiness of a forge inside. Um, and then okay. Jer- Jeremy's supposed to have forge music ready to go. Oh, am I? No, no. Okay. I don't, I'm, <laughs> I'm working on it. <laughs> uh, you said it was enclosed, so you knock on the door? Uh, yeah, you knock on the door and they're is is no answer, but you can just hear this, you know, clanging of iron on iron. I guess we'll slowly open it up and see if we see anybody. Uh, yeah, as you open it up, uh, it opens up into a larger, a larger open area uh, than you would than you would think. There's a bit of a, a counter space in front of you as you walk in, and in the back, there's a gigantic hearth. And near the fire, you see this multicolored bearded dwarf in the background. Um, and he's, you know, working the bellows of this forge. As you see another dark and, you know, grizzled dwarf banging away uh, with his hammer. And he looks to be forging. And, um, it, it kind of looks like some sort of a sword or something like that from where you're standing. You're not too sure what it is, but he's definitely, he's definitely forming something with his iron. Um, they seem yeah. quite oblivious to, to you at this point. Uh, Andre's going to pull off his gloves and kind of slap them in one hand. <clears throat> and he, uh, he's going to call out, Long live Brunor! As uh, he, the dwarf that's hammering stops kind of mid-swing, and they both turn to look up. Aye, long live Brunor. 
And what brings you here, dwarf? About 300, <laughs> 300 bricks of dwarven ore belonging to the Black Iron Blades. Uh, you see visibly the multicolored bearded dwarf. His eyes light up. Um, you notice it to be very unnatural for, for a dwarf um, as he's, he jumps up elated um, at the news. And you, you see a sense of concern in his eyes as well. His eyes are far more bright and emotionally telling. As the other dwarf, I... So you're the dwarf we've been hearing about. I had yes. pulled one of me kin for days on end through the snow and the sleet to get him back to safety. I... Crux, has he recovered? I... Crux will never be the same without an arm, as you would know being a dwarf, but he'll live... I cannot say his whole, but he'll live as he swings up to you and he puts his hand out to your forearm. Old Jay will return it and give it the, the good old strength and honor. <laughs> strength and honor. My name is Garn, and this is my brother Jux. Uh, what be your name? I'm Untre Garumson. Ah, Garumson. That's quite the name. Right. So, am I to believe that you got back the iron that went along with Obulk into the darkness? Obulk, that's the name I was. That's right. Um, <laughs> yes, it's outside. Um, in the in the sleigh, <laughs> saving dwarves and our iron, and we'll need it now more than ever. Of course, we've got to get it back out to the dwarves, but I'm glad that it's safe. I appreciate it. As you see, uh, Jux kind of walks out and around um, past you guys, uh, and he kind of motions, <clears throat> kind of motions to you, uh, Edric, to come and help him bring the iron around back. Who's the name of the armless dwarf? Uh, his, he was Crux. Crux. Uh, so yeah, Edric is going to hastily definitely give him a hand. Yeah, and he just, he doesn't say anything to you, he just kind of nods to you as he, he, he doesn't he doesn't even walk like a typical dwarf, he almost bounces and dances past you as he heads out after the cart. I'll ask, uh, ask if Crux is here. I, no, that's no place for a healing dwarf. I believe they've taken him to the House of the Morning Lord just to heal him further. It'll be quite many days before he's up and at him, but he shall live. All right, I'll hold on to his arm then. <laughs> oh, you still have his... Did, did you pull out his arm? We pulled, that, pulled it out of the snow and put it in my backpack when we ran okay. across it. <laughs> what be your name, my friend? Are you referring to me? I. I'm Sorn. I Sorn. It's quite the accent you got there. Where might you be from? Elven, no doubt, by the way you walk. I a bit a bit Elven, 
Um, I'm from a. I, I, it's not a different plane, right? It's just under, like it's like the underworld kind of. <laughs> um. Yeah. I mean, it's. Sorry, this is where my team kind of similar to the Fey as far as that goes. So, but the Fey is like a different. I believe. Yeah. I believe the shadows. I, I believe the shadow fell is. Yeah, I think there's gates to the Underdark and gates to the Shadowfell from the Underdark. I'll just stay a far off, far off land. I don't know well, how you must be feel about the Shadowfell. All the lands are far off from Icewind Dale, my friend. Well, I bid you welcome if you travel with one such as this. And Andre, yes. I cannot tell you enough how much we appreciate it. You saved one of the dwarves. And for that, we'll ever be thankful. Appreciate the iron ore as well, my friend. Now, can I offer you a proper drink? If, if you will partake as well, and my friends can join. I will drink to the good name of Crux and all of Clan Battlehammer as he kind of reaches underneath the counter that's between the two of you, and he pulls up this small little cask of mead. As he sits it down, he filters off to the back and grabs a couple of glasses, uh, well, well-crafted uh, kind of iron mugs, and he pours a drink for you and a drink for him. I, well, here's to the fallen dwarf that didn't make it back to Obok as he held, holds up his glass and goes and cheers you. Montreal return the cheers. Nod his head quietly. Um, as a quick, um, quick question, this so this dwarf you're saying he's multicolored, like is his beard multicolored? Yeah, the dwarf that left with uh, the dwarf that left. Uh, his name is Jux. He left uh, to go grab the the iron and bring it around with Edric. Uh, his his beard is like multicolored, purples, pinks, very brightly colored. Um, and the gentleman that you're speaking with is Garn. Okay, and and he's he's kind of an uh, ostensibly, for lack of a better term, a, a normal looking dwarf. He's a normal looking dwarf. Yeah. Um, have I seen those colors on Jux before, or that kind of light stepping that? that you had mentioned. No, no, and it, it strikes you as very, very odd. Okay. So, what I'm brings you back? Up. What brings you back to the Dale? I just... One moment. Just thought of something. I'll be back in just a moment. And uh, <laughs> Andre's going to make himself scarce and head back out to... Uh, where where Edric and the Slay and Jux is, and uh, he's gonna try and uh, try and quickly search for uh, any sign of Isovai. Uh You don't see any sign. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you don't see any sign of Isobai. You kind of you uh, you know what? Roll me a roll me a survival check. How long does it, has it been, and how long does it 
invisibility. It lasts roll. one hour, and oh. it's concentration. So at any point, I can break it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's been about it's been about a half an hour since you cast the spell. Uh, about forty about forty minutes. Um, yeah, you check the ground. Um, obviously, like you can see the sled being pulled around as you kind of duck out. Um, you see, you see Jux uh, with this, you know, multicolored beard pushing or uh, pulling the sled with both. He's got both ropes around his shoulders as he's pulling it. As you see, Edric kind of feebly, not contributing much from behind. Uh, you check the area, the area. You don't see any footprints that would belong to Isabai. You can assume that he's still on the cart. Okay. Um, they're just kind of they're pulling it around the, the side of the forge. Um, they're just kind of pulling around the corner of the of the building. Cool. Uh, I'm going to try and run and catch up and um, make it look like I'm rummaging in the back and in like kind of kind of give it a push but like reach my arm over as I'm kind of pushing to help um, yeah. and just kind of make it look like I'm rummaging and kind of grasp around to see if I can catch anything uh, yeah, as you as you reach around, you you grab this mass, and you kind of hear this eh! sound as you grab onto Isabai. Oh, excuse me. And, um, I'm just gonna like grab whatever that that limb is, and then uh, kind of just spin on my heel and just mm-hmm. say, "Oh." My mace is inside. Sorry, and just grab, grab Isobai and try and head right back into the building. And if I can stuff him in a corner, then I will. Okay, yeah, you head, you head back in the building, kind of stuff him in a corner. Uh, Garn, Garn is kind of just still sitting there having a drink. You're only gone for a couple of minutes. As you come back in, stuff him down in the corner. You can hear like these little eeks and you know, sounds as he's trying to stay quiet and uh, you can feel when you grab him, he's, he's like shaking. He's worried about what's going on and, and what's happening as you stuff him in the back of this dwarven forge. Um, as, you know, when you were around the corner, you could see Jux was just stopped pulling and he was opening up two large doors, almost two large barn doors in the back as he was pulling in the, the cart into now the the forge area. Okay. Um, and if I can, as Andre's doing that, he's going to say, do not move. Stay warm. We will pull you out with us. Okay. Okay. He's going to just not respond to anything he's saying and just head towards Garn. Kind of ignoring. So, yeah. What brings you about to the Dale? Old friends, um, Looking to reconnect with the homeland and perhaps see some old friends in the ba- battle hammer. Reserved. I know the battle hammers. Where are you from then? Ah, well, you know it well, Mithril Hall. Aye. My father was. How long has it been <clears throat> since you've been back at the hall? Oh. 25 years or more. Any news? 
Is King King Bruno or is still well? Yeah. As far as I know, I came right from the south, so not and by it, way of Mithra Hall. Have you been back to the Keren since you've been in town? No, but I. We were filled in on a little bit of what what's going on in the Cairn. Is it? Is, is there stress with the Cairn? Aye, aye, stress for sure. We're not sure exactly what's happening, but there's been problems with the forge, so the boys have gotten me to. Well, I got to smelt all their ore and send it back to them. I'm not sure exactly what's happened, but. Um, it's gonna Andre it's gonna swear in Dwarven uh, anyone that speaks Dwarven it's just like Morden's swelling hammer um, so you you have to bring it into the city to smelt and then back out again I, I Crank sends all of the ore here now I'm not sure exactly what's going on but there's been troubles down below in the forge. Deep troubles. Uh, perhaps, perhaps not for the ears of outsiders. Ah, you can trust these. Even the elf. Aye. Trusting an elf. <laughs> That's like trusting soft ore, my friend. But nonetheless... We've lost men down in the forge. Whole sections of the mines under Calvin's Cairn. There's darkness. Something is brewing down there. Dwarves have been disappearing. We do not know why, and we don't know where they've gone. No traces of body. They've just disappeared. Trey's going to kind of look meaningfully to... Uh, was it just Edric that left? Uh, yeah, so Edric, you, you, Edric's now since you've helped Jux. Um, well, yeah, so, like, so uh, just so I didn't want to interrupt, but um, mm. it, Edric, when, when he's with Jux, like, he opens the doors and we go in. Is that like a separate room from this? Is this like the a back like carriage house or something like that? Or it's it's the same part of the building, but it's blocked off. So he hasn't. You can't see him from the front. It's almost like a separate storage room. Uh, it's quite large. It's quite spacious. Uh, you see a just a plethora of forging tools, uh, barrels, um, and you know you and Jux after he's opened the doors have kind of pulled the pulled the cart into the storage as Jux is starting to close up the doors behind him. Uh, you said your name was Jux, right? And, and he looks at you and his eyes kind of dance as he shakes his head, uh, you know, vigorously up and down. Uh, I've, I've never been in an, uh, uh, a true forge before. Um, do, do you mend and build weapons? As he shakes his head again and he kind of raises his hands um, as if to show you around, around him. And uh, he kind of pulls up a couple of items and, and shows them to you. So Edric like, looks around 
just just to make sure that there are no onlookers or anything like that. And um, right now his uh, rifle is is like wrapped in burlap or something of that nature. He, he tries to keep it discreet but accessible. And uh, he says, uh, "I don't mean to presume, but you are a dwarf. Have you seen one of these?" Any any opens up his little package and uh, shows him the, the rifle. As Jux reaches forward and he grabs the rifle and he kind of starts doing this dance back and forth on his, from one foot to another as you kind of see this gigantic form on his face and he begins to really study the weapon as he's mulling it over, kind of switches from hand to hand as he's, as he's looking at it, and he starts to kind of play around with, with the loading mechanism. Uh, as you can hear, I'm like snapping it back. Um, he kind of checking down the barrel of it. No, 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 no. I, 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 I don't think that you're supposed to be looking down there, but I am hoping that you can help me adjust. I, I, I piece together, together what I can from from this book, and he shows him the the dwarven uh, tome uh, about firearms and stuff. And uh, he says, uh, I I had to supplement some parts from what I could find in salvage, but I I I just need somebody to help me refine it, make it better, more reliable. So you kind of show him this tomb tome, and he grabs it in one hand, looks at it very briefly, and kind of just tosses it onto the ground. Oh, oh. No, no, no. And you see him kind of grab the gun or the rifle, and you just see him very smoothly. Um, obviously, he's not loading it. There's nothing in it, but he kind of snaps the barrel, slides it apart, and now your rifle is in two pieces as he's kind of slid the barrel off and from what you can kind of see, he's taken it apart, and he switches hands with it. He looks down the barrel again, and he slides it all back together and cocks it like in a very smooth motion, like, like a Marine yeah. apart a gun and putting it together. He does it very, very... Something that would even take you... Yeah, kind of, I, I, I couldn't. I'd have trouble doing that. A couple seconds of adjusting. He's just managed to do it very quickly. Oh, okay. So I, it seems like you are familiar with this. And Edric bends down and hastily grabs his book and stows it away again. Yeah, and he's absolutely fascinated by it. Um, and he's like now starting to like remove, remove pieces of it, you know, the chamber, and he's putting things back, and he's looking at the handiwork of it. And you can see him shaking his head, uh, know when he's looking at some parts, and he's he's really studying what you've shown him. Okay. So Edric is just kind of like watching the the painter paint and, and just giving him the space and silence that he needs, but still very possessive about it. Definitely in a, in a in a, in a very cautious kind of way, watching over his shoulder, trying to pick up whatever kind of glean whatever information he can, but still give him enough space to do what he's got to do. And uh, as he's got it in his hand, he looks to you and he kind of wiggles his nose at you 
and he winks as he turns and he pulls out a key and he puts it into a door that's behind you guys, like in, inside this storage area. And he opens up the door and he walks through it. And he kind of just leaves the area. Like with my shit? Yeah. Oh, oh, oh no, no, I'm hot on his heels. I'm like, no, no, where are you going? Yeah, and he's like walking with a purpose now. And he walks down this hallway and he t- takes a right. And you can now hear the, the sound of the forge uh, coming louder. You can hear Garn's voice as he kind of comes in from this back door. And he walks back into the forge area. And as he does, Garn turns and he throws the rifle up to Garn, who's like now is standing right next to right next to Andre. So so Edric is like, uh, if you could see him blush, he would definitely be blushing because he did not want to just randomly throw his most valued possession to us, a, a seeming stranger. And and then he goes to snatch it back out of his hands. And Garn's Garn has it in his hand as you kind of come out of nowhere and grab it. And he, he almost almost like you were a child. He kind of grabs you on the top of your head and, and pushes you back as he's got the rifle in his one hand. Ah, oh, the great gods. What have we heard? Joxy, where did you find this? And he kind of looks looks back to you. Is this yours we won? That's mine. I, I need it back. It's my what totem. Beast, what are you, boy? Where did you get your hands on some real, live, dwarven technology? It's very good with it, too. I, I could imagine him being well. shite with it. How could you manage to fuck something up so badly? Joxy, you see how terribly it's put together. My God, he's now sliding pieces out and putting it together. And I can imagine your nervousness now as he's like, basically, he's got it on the table. He's starting to disassemble pieces. Yeah, he he just keeps like putting his hand out to stop and then like knows that he's a little bit helpless. And and also there's there's that whole curiosity part of his brain that's just triggering where he's just like, no, okay, okay. But yes, yes, I see what you're doing there. And no, that piece doesn't go there. And kind of backwards. Let me guess here, little man. I bet you, I bet you one out of every five times it misfires on you. I, I bet you it gets caught right there. Just mechanism. I, well, you see, I had, I had to make do with the loading mechanism and, 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 and the hammer. It's, it's just, it's some scrap that I found. And what do you do if you go to fix it? Look at it. If the bullet gets stuck in that, how do you clean it out? Well, it takes some time, and then he pulls out his, his like little uh, toolkit. Uh, uh, I, I managed to salvage this as well, and and he pulls out the book and shows a page of like the required tools for assembly page of the book, <laughs> <laughs> and, and he's got some tools that match exactly, and other tools that were kind of like bent metal and like hand forged by a, a clearly a novice, and. Yeah, Garn, Garn pushes the book. He like backs the book out of your hands. He reaches over and he grabs these tools you've got. He's now laid them out on the counter, and he's like, "Oh my god, Yoxie, come and look at what they're using." Look <laughs> and he holds up this kind of instrument you would use to to clean out the the barrel from a misfire. He's like, "Oh my god, 
This is the worst craftsmanship I've ever... Where did you come from? This is absolutely terrible. What are you, halfling? Yeah. Yeah, he's strange-looking halfling. But anyways, this is absolutely embarrassing. Look <laughs> it. And he, he reaches down. He, he, he kind of bounces off to the forge. Your gun's sitting on the counter with the tool. All the tools are kind of laid out. As he slips off into the forge, and he comes back, you know, super quick, and he's got this uh, sleek-looking, shiny piece of metal. And it almost has this, as he, he kind of walks back up to it, he slides this thing in, and it, it makes that, just that sound of iron slipping into iron flawlessly. As he flips it in, pulls it up. Do you got any bullets for this? And then Edric pulls out uh, a cartridge, or uh, a shell. I look here, little man, look here. And he grabs it and he puts it in. And he, look it. And you can see him. He aims and he, he aims into the forge and he pulls the trigger as you're, you know, just expecting this large bang. And nothing happens. It just, it, it, sounds, it sounds like that kind of, that blocking misfire sound as he then grabs the tool that he has. Now look, when you get the misfire, you put that right down the barrel, turn, pull, and you see like the little pellet pop out of the barrel and kind of just fall to the ground. And there you go. Now you're ready to fire again, lickety-split. Okay. Well, that's a handy tool. I... Uh, we've got many handy tools here. That's what we do, lad. I, I feel bad even putting this into your hands. It's like giving a child a sword. But anyway, I, 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 I can def- definitely pay you for the tool. I've got lots of lots to trade. Ah, don't worry about the trade. You've already traded enough. I say three hundred. I, Andre, this man helped you acquire this iron, yeah. Hey, Andre. No. Oh, I'm using. Oh, we I'm can't hear you, Dan. Yeah. I will. Oh, there we hello. go. There you go. Sorry, I missed that. I heard that lots of in and out for a second there. I don't know if that was. So he he kind of looks to you and he's like, "I did this one help you reclaim the." Uh, the iron ore. Indeed, he fought well too. And have you seen him fire this gun at an actual many, enemy? Many times. He managed to hit anybody with it? Lethally, on a couple of occasions. Aye, well, the way it's built, he'd be more than lucky to hit himself than an actual target. That's a bloody miracle. <laughs> and he kind of looks back to you. Uh, Edric, as he hands you back the gun that he's snapped back together quickly, and he hands you this this new tool, um, and you can only um, imagine how much quicker you're already starting to think how much quicker you could uh, reset your misfires with this. And he says, "Here, you can have it. Don't worry about it. It's on the forge." So as he hands him back his gun, like sensing that we're going to run out of time before this 
goblin appears in the corner of the room. <laughs> um, I I look at Andre and I say, I think it's time we gather all our friends and go back and rest at the inn. Yes, we could do with the rest. Um, and there's the issue of payment. Um, I, well, I've already talked, I've already talked to Cruxy about it. Forfeit all his pay- payment on the delivery to the people that saved his lives. We've got 200 gold pieces. You can break it up however you want. But we appreciate it. Furthermore, you're friends of Clan Battlehammer. If you be needing anything, you come to the Black Iron Blades, you talk to Garn, you talk to Jux, and we'll take care of you any way we can. You, little man, we can be fixing this gun for you. Make it real pretty with some fine dwarven steel. Make it better than anything you could possibly imagine. How's that sound for you? Yeah, that would be great. Well, leave the book here if you don't mind. I'll read a little bit up and see what we can do for you. But give me a little bit of time and we can consistently begin to build something far better for you. And he kind of reaches forward and like pats you on the the top of your, you know, top of your head or, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 have my, I, I have my hood off at this point, so. And he, so he hands you all that back. Um, he grabs a, a big bag from under the, the counter and he kind of slaps this bag of gold. He's like, Andre, this is yours. You can do it as you will. But I'll ask you one more favor. Doesn't have to be today, but I've got to get this iron back up to the boys. And I cannot take it myself. I've lost Cruxy. I don't need you to take it. But if you run across the battle hammers, you got to tell them to send someone down for me. And you got to tell them what's happened here. I could do that for sure. We have business in the what in the, the waste, and I'm sure we will see the battle hammers. And this business might take us to the cairn as well. So, I well, listen. You know how dwarves be. We don't do well with suffering weaknesses or losses, and we have trouble seeing outside. Outside of the box sometimes. But something in my gut tells me it just ain't right. We might be needing your help. Now, this payment was for the iron. For that, it's no problem. What I cannot repay you for is saving the life of one of our own. And um, as he kind of looks at you and he gets very solemn. Jucks kind of dances over. It's almost kind of this hopping skip and he he dances over and he puts his arm on your shoulder and he looks deep into your deep into your eyes. It, it's, it's very odd. You've never seen a dwarf with so much expression and emotion on his face. And as he's got his hand on your shoulder, he reaches into his belt with his other hand 
and he pulls out this frosty blue, beautifully etched hand axe. And he kind of flips it over in his hand and he hands it to you. And as he hands it out to you, he kind of wiggles his nose and he winks at you. And he extends it out to you. I'm just um, going to take it. And so to... I, I just, I don't know how this works. I, 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 can, I know how to make items to give to people. But I don't know how to show it to people. Like if I hit the show player, I don't know where it shows up. But I've put it into your you you can all see this. Krug, I assume by this time you've kind of just walked into the back entrance of this place or into the front entrance of this place. And you can all see him hand this hand axe to you. Uh Andre, it's going to be in your You can also just get get uh, just say what it is, and if you've shared it with everybody, then um, we can search for it in our uh, manage inventory. Okay. Yeah. Well, it should now be it should now be in your journal, Andre. Uh, what it is, and then that is the thing is I don't want I don't want you guys to have to waste this in your oh in sick your, in your inventory. You know what I mean? Like. Like, I don't want to add it to your guys' journals. I just want to show it to you, but I don't know how to do that without adding it to your journal. Does that make any sense? Yes. Hey, well, you can add it to D&D Beyond as a custom item. Yeah. I will figure that out. Because you'll, um, you'll want to equip it, it there anyway. Is it, is it one that you created, or is it one that exists in... No, uh, no it's just an item. I can For everybody to see, I can put... I just... I don't want... All of you shouldn't know what it does. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, is this? It, does it work the same as the one on Loot Tavern? It is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Because I have that saved on my Instagram. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Well, you, well, you have the note. I, I shared the notes with you as well. So oh, there should, sweet. Be, there should be a second thing with the note, and there's some stuff added on to it as well. Oh, sick! Perfect. Thank you. Uh, but you see him. He hands this to you. And as he does, uh, you do you grab it? Uh, I take it kind of um, as a, a dwarf that really uh, values something like with a strong grip, but you know, gently for a dwarf. Grabbing and he it, holds it, it holds it while you're holding it, and he puts his hand on top of your hand on it, and he looks at Garn. And kind of winks and wiggles his nose and shakes his head. And Garn says, he wants you to know that once you have bound to this axe, it releases the binding from him and puts it on to you. And until it binds to another, it is yours for the end of time. Dre's gonna nod and like maintaining eye contact with Jux and uh, holding the axe in one hand and he's gonna take his hand and put it behind Jux's head kind of in a like Andre this would have been common for Andre to see other dwarves do just kind of take him by the back of the head and just lay his forehead against Jux's forehead kind of holding the eye contact and then 
release. Yeah, he holds the eye contact with you for a moment before he looks down. He looks back up you again, and he rubs his nose against yours and kind of laughs this this high-winded, almost fairy laugh that, that fills the forge as he kind of turns and uh, skip dances back to the forge as he starts working the bellows again. And then uh, Audrey's going to do the same with Garn. He's, he's going to reach his hand around, and uh, this time he's going to speak to Garn, and he's, he's going to say, let me know how Crux recovers. We will check in very, very soon. Thank you for this gift. I, the gift is nothing to thank you for saving the life of a friend of the Battle Hammers. All of you, we appreciate your efforts here. And if there's anything we can do, the Black Iron Blades will help you. Um, one more quick question here, Corey. Um, can I see any... Did I know Crux's family name? Or Garns? And if not, is there any... Any, like jewelry or like anything that i can see on garn that that indicates his family name like a common family name like garum's son would have like a crest and you know andre wears it in like a a clasp that holds one of his beard braids together and stuff would i be able to see that from garn Oh. <clears throat> Hold on one second. Yep, of course. Um, you see kind of... I mean, you would have noticed it right away. It, it wasn't hidden at all. Uh, but on his... Underneath his smock, but it's still... You can see it. You know, he's got the, he's got the very thick uh, iron-working smock on. And underneath, you see a, a, a bronzed anvil, which would have been his family crest uh, of the Braun Anvil. And his, la- his last name would have been is Braun Anvil. Garn Braun Anvil. Yeah. Thank you. And I'll be able to get you more information on that, but you do recognize it, and you recognize his family name as being uh, a quite old and well-noted and respected um, name for the Battlehammer clan. Sweet. Andre's going to leave. Uh, he's going to turn. And uh, he'll say on his way out while kind of... He'll, he'll <laughs> kind of turn at that corner near the door where he stuffed Izobai and just hoping that he's still there. He's going to reach with like the hand that's furthest from guard uh just like grasping for izabai and he's gonna say we'll see you soon guard braun anvil and then he's I, gonna just head out <laughs> as he kind of raises his mug to you while while you guys uh exit um Krug, you you're kind of just kind of roll rolling in the door as uh they've turned and they're starting to to roll out the doors as you know, you kind of see the inside of the forge. Uh, you caught a little bit of this 
of this meeting. Um, uh, but, you, you know, enough to get kind of the bones of it, uh, that things went well. And you see, um, you can see Andre with this, you know, big bag of gold. He's kind of popped onto his pouch. And, um, and yeah, just as you kind of grab uh, Izobai and you head to walk out the door, uh, you can see Izobai just flash into, out of nowhere, just become visible. <laughs> Uh, just before we leave, I'd like to. Edric is going to like, just say thank, thank you so much for your help, and uh, I will definitely be back uh, to talk about those improvements. Aye, little one, I'll be doing my homework for you, not to worry. And uh, Jer, that tool does what we discussed it doing. Yeah. Um. Yeah. When Krug walked in, he was like kid in the candy store, looking at all the weapons and the yeah, and the, the, the yeah the armors. There, there was a there was a plethora. Wow, what I miss? We got paid, and uh, and I guess we can rest now. Oh, that sounds fantastic. Let's head back. And uh, is Crux still at the inn then? Uh, Crux no, has been moved. Had... Oh, sorry. That was oh, not yeah. mine. I guess uh, Audrey would, would explain. He's at the House of the Morning Lord. Resting and recovering. You might like to see his arm. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that, now that our friend is not hidden... I guess we are in no immediate rush. Oh, yeah, Isabai. Yes, yes. Dwarfs. Um, <laughs> what, do you, what do you think um, your leader would think about doing trade? Because I'm certain you guys could get resources out there in the mountains that the town might need. And then if you guys establish trade, you you could both live in peace. Yarbnok. Yarbnok, very, very smart goblin leader. Very smart. Talks very good. Very good like goblin. Almost too smart for goblin. Oh. Strangely smart. Not oh, as smart as Izubai, but smart. Um yeah, well, maybe Yargnok will listen then, because I would, I, with the ore coming through regularly, it's important that we create a safe trade route for them. Goblins have lots to trade. I take you to Karkalok. You treated like, like kings for helping Izobai. I'm well respected. Sure, soon, soon, Izobai. Well, we'll figure out when we can accomplish that. Lots to be done. Uh, maybe, like, well, uh, maybe Big Dwarf put me down. I walk, if you want. I've... Yeah, Andre, I'll just kind of let go of him. <laughs> yeah, I suppose we trusted you with the cart. It's only fair that you we trust you 
you know. Yeah. Where is my goal? I guess we'll set you up for the night. And then if you could maybe in your spare time create a map or something to this town, that'd be useful. Ah, ah, add town to map that you stole. That's it. That's the one. Okay. Okay, yeah. Isabai, very good mapper. I map out stuff all the time. Great. Why don't we get some food on us first? Oh, it's, good. it's good. I love it. <laughs> uh, I would like to stop by the house of the morning lord and drop off the arm before it starts to stink too bad. Uh, it's very cold out. Yeah, I was going to say, it's it's probably frozen still. Yeah, but then if we go inside an inn and sleep inside a warm inn, it's going to stink up my room. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Uh, yeah, the, and again, I mean, it labeled on the map you guys are on where the house of the Morning Lord is. It's about 15 minutes from where you are. I wanted to try one of my spells, but I think I'll just drop it off for the sake of time. Uh, do you feel the need to play this out? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> just knock on the door, get, hand the first priest I see an arm, <laughs> tell him it belongs to Crux. If you can fix it, fix it. They, they kind of they grab the arm. Uh, you know, you scare a couple of priests. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I guess we head back to the tavern. Yeah, so you guys are going to head back to uh, to the North Look Inn before. You know what time is it? Uh, yeah, you've got about an hour and a half before uh, before your oh, meeting, which right. which would be at the the town hall slash uh, abode. It's it's quite a large building. Uh, you guys walked past it. It's the largest building in Bryn Shander. It's easy to spot. It's quite decorative. Uh, there's a large speaking hall outside, and that's right there. Okay. Yeah, I could use a cleanup. Get this armor off for a little bit. Maybe a quick bite. Uh, yeah. since, we, since we're going for dinner, I would prioritize getting in a short rest. Yeah. As any good warlock would. <laughs> uh, yeah, you make your way to the North Look Inn. Um, <clears throat> by now, the, the sky is alight with this kind of eerie green and blue glow that you've become accustomed to. And you make your way to the North Look. Um, as you're just about to, you're, you're coming up on the building, uh, you do see two guards heading towards the North Gate just in front of you. And they're dragging this scraggly looking human male with no shirt on Um, and and scraggly hair, very unkept, Uh, you know, nothing again. He's basically in, you know, torn pants, no shirt. And they're dragging him towards the gate. 
Like to go out of town. Yeah. Um, and this this man is is not he's not bound or gagged, and he's screaming hysterically. And as you're walking up the the north pass to the north look, um, you see people kind of lined up on the edge of the on the edge of the streets. Um, everybody, um, there's a a horde of people outside of the north look as well lined up and you notice all the people are either you know touching a a lot of people are kind of holding um any sort of like uh necklaces they have um you notice that there's a bunch of priests as well in thick heavy white robes um that are also kind of making symbols in the air as this man is being dragged out of the gates uh, Edric's gonna stop the group and just just point at the man and say, he, "He's not gonna last long out there. Is this is this common?" Can I listen to see if I can understand what the priests are saying, or or what's being said in general, what that guy's saying, or what the priests are? If there's some sort of right, I would recognize. Yeah, one of the priests has stepped forward. Uh, a male, a male human, who's pulled his heavy woolen cloak down over his head. Um, he's kind of got a full head of blonde hair. Looks quite young, only about twenty. You you'd guess to be about twenty, twenty-five years old. As he raises his voice, today is the day that we make this sacrifice to Oriel in hopes that the Frost Maiden will lighten her grasp upon the people of Bryn Shander and all the people of Ten Towns. Um, and he kind of keeps going on in this, uh, you know, almost mantric way of speaking uh, as he's singing praises uh, of this sacrifice to Oriel. As this man is in hysterics, uh, screaming and yelling, trying to pull back away from the guards as they're now just dragging them towards the north gate. Does Krug hear this? Uh, yeah, yeah, it, it, he's being quite loud. And, and the, the priest is literally, you're at the door to the north look. There's a bunch of people uh, standing out there listening and watching as uh, the priest is, has stepped forward in behind and is almost following 10 feet behind the guards, uh, you know, only... 20 feet across the street from you as uh he's he's now like you know making a holy symbol and he's kind of giving this sermon about feeding or real feeding or reels um you know ego and and you know hopefully this will solve the problem under whose authority are you doing this as uh the priest turns to you and under whose authority do you approach the morning Lord as we make our sacrifices? Get back, commoner. Um, under the authority of Leosin Arenthar from Silvery Moon. That's who. Part of the Lord's Alliance. Yes. Well, you're a long way from home, little one. 
And here we must give sacrifice to a real, shall all perish and be lost. Tell me one thing, is this an innocent man? Are any of us truly innocent? Are you innocent? This isn't justice. I, uh... I'd like to speak to who's making this decision. Yes, well, then you would be speaking with the speaker, uh, Duvessa Shane. I'm sure she'll be eager to heed your summons. <laughs> As he kind of scoffs uh, with that very... Oh, that's, that's the lady that we're, we're having dinner with in an hour. Uh, yes, I, I'm, I'm very sure the lady has time to speak with the likes of you. Go about your business. No, no, uh, truly. We, we, we just delivered, uh, we helped fight the orcs, and uh, we just uh, delivered uh, some lost uh, iron to the dwarves, and, and, and they seemed very keen, and it's very interesting to have been invited to dinner. Let's hear the tiding calls of this misshapen halfling as he saves us, Why do delivers us to freedom from the orcs. Oh, thank the god, thank Oriel for this halfling and this... Are you visibly a kobold? Me? Yeah. And this kobold as they deliver us to freedom. Now, please, you're wasting our time. As he goes back are there? delivering the sermon. Huh? How many guards are there? Uh, there's the two just carrying him out, and then there's uh, two more at the gate, uh, opening the gate as he's being dragged out. Tackle one of the guards. Oh, sweet. Uh, just carrying him? Yeah. So as you kind of rush up, and you tackle this guard, like you kind of push your way past this priest, uh, and you go and you tackle, you know, football tackle kind of around the, around the waist of this guard. Um, tripping him up and knocking him to the ground. Um, the other guard remains standing but loses his grasp on this man who falls to the ground and begins kind of clawing his way, you know, towards, like, he's, he's trying to scoot away from the gates as he's, as he's starting to backpedal in the snow as the guard immediately rushes to his feet. What is the meaning of this? I'm not letting anybody throw an innocent man out into, the, into their death. You will back away at once. Guards! Guards! As he's calling for guards, the guards at the gate who are now kind of uh, coming over and, and attempting to, to grab you. As they try to grab him, I, I'll, I'll, I don't know, I guess try to just maneuver around so that I can, like, I guess <laughs> I'm trying to think of what I could physically do. Um, yeah, try try to like trip up somebody that might be getting close. Um, yeah, yeah. You you've kind of just like sneakily, uh, you know, stuck your stuck your foot out as a guard is now running running by. Um, he trips, falls into the snow. Um, as there's now a commotion, people are starting to gather as the guard is is squared off with Krug. And you can hear this voice from behind you. Hold, hold, please, please, Krug. As uh, Evander Kane has kind of gathered up his, his luxurious robes and he's 
he started to run out from the Norfolk Inn into this little kind of opening here, and he's brushed past, past a few people, and he's now standing between you and the guard, Krug, and he's got his hands out. Gentlemen, there's no need for this. These are friends of mine. They're friends of the city. Um, as he kind of sneers at the priest, he's like, and they did help save this city from the orcs. And they did help the dwarves recover their steel. These men are brought here to help this city against Oriel. As he, as he looks to you, Krug. But you must understand, Sir Krug, this is the way that the people have chosen in a, de- in a democratic state to help battle Oriel the best that they can. And this man is a criminal, and he was selected to be sacrificed. Krogchi takes a deep breath, exhales. I understand there's diplomacy involved. I just can't stand to watch. I'm here to help the people. Give me a chance to talk to Juvesa at, at the very least. Give me that shot. Guards, is it possible if we talk to Duvesa, can you hold this man at the north gate, put clothes on his back, give us two hours as the guard kind of looks at Evander. You do not have the power here. And Evander immediately steps up and raises his voice. I have been granted that power by the speakers of all ten towns. And I will vouch for this creature is such a terrible word. And I will vouch for this oh, fuck. I will vouch for Krug as they are here to help this city. And they need to be given a chance to do so. And the priest now has come over and is starting to yell at Evander Kane. And there's quite this democratic, uh, you know, political melee going on uh, in the middle of the town as, as you see the cards kind of nod to Evander. Um, they're all on their feet now. The man pulls off his own cloak, wraps it around the man who they've kind of re-detained. We will hold him at the north gate for two hours and then he will go on to the pole as he kind of nods and the priest is now following these guards, uh, yelling and screaming priestly things at him as they, you know, make their way to the north gate to, to hold them up. As they, as the, as they leave, um, Edric makes eye contact with the priest and just kind of does a wink and again at him. <laughs> what? <laughs> Gives him the gun fingers. Um, uh, the, the priest is pretty occupied uh, as he kind of just snorts at you, sneers at you as he as he goes about kind of hooting and hollering. And as they the guards take as the guards take this man away, uh, the priest now turns and starts to preach to the people around him uh, about Oriel and about sin uh, and just all the sanctimonious garbage you would hear on. 
any tele telemark or uh, what televangelists. Yeah. Uh, as Evander Kane kind of, please, gentlemen, join me at the end. And he leads the way into the North Look. Appreciate that, Evander Kane. I, uh, I, I guess I got a little carried away. It is understandable. But know this, not all the cities sacrifice people. They're all different. Some sacrifice food, some sacrifice what they can. For a large city like Bryn Shander, they have people in their holds that are expendable. That being said, I don't agree with it, nor has it worked. Well, I hope I can uh, make a difference out here that doesn't involve sacrificing the, the poor people here Bryn Shander. It is difficult to be a leader. You know this. You've seen what happens in war if we don't follow the leadership of those above us. This wasn't made rashly, this decision. It is made from desperate people, trying to rule very desperate people. Two years they've been plagued with this. I understand, Krug. I understand your need for diplomacy and how honorable your leaders were. But this is what the people have had to endure which is why it's so crucial that we get to the bottom of this and stop Oriel before it is too late and all is lost in ten towns. Well, one thing at a time, I suppose. And, uh, yeah. Have faith. Have faith, my friend, as he kind of pats you on the back and escorts you into the, into the inn. Krug, uh, Get some orders of some food after taking off his armor and washing up a bit and chills out for the rest of the night until it's time to go. Yeah. Montre will pay for the rooms and then uh, with that big bag of cash and once he gets a sec, he's going to split it evenly after the rooms are paid for. Ah, uh, came across some gold, did you? As Scram Sacks is... Uh... Uh, as you go to pay for the room, Scramsax is behind the bar. And he lets you know that, that your money is no good here, but donations are always accepted. Of course, Scramsax. Of course. I definitely want to pay Scramsax what my room is worth. Um. Hi, <laughs> boy. I appreciate the payment. Looks like you're making waves in this little town. I couldn't do it alone. Look around at all the companions. I guess we did pretty good, didn't we? I think so. <laughs> well, quite well. Yeah, word of word of your exploits hasn't hasn't quite reached uh, reached reached around town yet, um, but the inn is is lively as people are now starting to kind of pile back in. Um, some are glaring at you guys, sneering at you. Others have come up and are shaking your hands. Uh, Krug, several several of the men, uh, a dwarf comes up. Um, you know, they're all muttering how senseless it is, and this, you know, they, they agree this isn't the way to stop it. Is there a bard in town? In the, in the inn? Is there a what? A bard? There can be. 
Uh, yeah, man. If if uh, if the bot so chooses, uh, but yeah, no. There's uh, it, it's quite lively uh, with music as uh, the dinner rush is just starting to starting to unfold um, as a bard kind of uh, begins to to play on his lute. Uh, they're playing happy music, kind of a jig. As uh, yeah, the the bar settles down into its into its normal normalcy. Um, yeah, as it's quite full and quite lively, and uh, you guys kind of sit down to enjoy a meal. I want to negotiate with the bard when he has a moment, when he's like in between songs. Like, look, I got an offer for you. I have a story. We we just accomplished something pretty amazing. I want everybody to know. Uh, what would it cost me? For you to make us a song. So you approach this half elf uh, who's sharply dressed. Um, he's kind of got that green uh, Robin Hood type hat on. Ah, you want me to write you a ballad worthy of the stars and the nobility of this place? I love it. I love it. A ramshackle group pressed together against all odds. Fighting orcs and yetis throughout the Icewind Dale tundra. Ah, I could picture the story now. Perhaps this is my chance at greatness. As he has a very melodic voice, not gruff like mine. He hasn't been smoking, vaping. Um, says, yes, we will need to speak more of your exploits and what you've accomplished. But yes, I'm beginning to get the feels of a song, as he kind of does some jazz hands. I tell him all about how we, we, uh, Crux came into the inn, uh, what the goal was, we fought the weather to get up there, had to take down goblins, ogres, dire wolves, um, to get the orb there, there back, and then I gotta get it back. Yeah. And the he orcs. He gets on stage. Friends, gather round, and I will sing to you this tune of the saviors of Icewind Dale, the helpers of dwarves, the fighters of orcs, the bane of O'Reel, as he kind of starts playing this, this melodic tune. And I tell you what, uh... Give me a performance. Give me a performance check, Krug. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I could. I could do that. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. That's that's about what I expected from that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. As the uh, hold on, let's take a look here. And the bard is probably going to be a little bit better than you. Um, Only a little bit. <laughs> as he gets as he gets up and he kind of starts to work his way through this song that he's just writing off the top of his head. Um, people are really artistically getting... challenged. He's impressed anyways. Yeah, people aren't necessarily paying attention, but they're, they're, not, they're not against it at all as they listen to the song. As uh, he kind of asides you and he's like, bring me more, bring me more, and I will write you a tale famous to the gods. And uh, he goes back on stage and kind of keeps working his way as he's, you know, learning the song as he's beginning to play it. Nice. How much did he charge me? 
does he want to charge me? A gold piece. I can do that. Speaking of which, did we split the money four or five ways? <laughs> uh, Veneth, Veneth is nowhere to be seen. Yeah, so Andre would have split it four ways. Was that 50 each? Yeah. Um, yeah. Are we subtracting the, the amount per rooms and stuff? From um, your share. Anything that you're <laughs> anything that you're willing to donate to Scram Sacks at this point as your rooms at the North Look are covered. Okay, so uh, yeah, maybe that. maybe we'll retcon it and Andre will just split it fifty all around. Okay, so then uh as uh Krug hands um sorry. What's his name? Scramps. Scramps. Scram Sacks Clegane. Uh a gold. Uh Edric follows suit, and he just does exactly <laughs> what he does. Yes. Uh, and Krug looks at Edric, he smiles, nods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's it. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> Not as good as having warm, hot meat by the fire. But it will do, gentlemen. It will do. So, Soren will go to his room, actually, and, and get in a nap. Uh, we're going to dinner. Um, so. um, just before you go, um, Edric's going to get everybody, round everybody up. Um, kind of see that you're trying to get away, so he'll make it quick. And uh, kind of take everybody aside. Um, you guys helped me quite a bit there. <laughs> Technically, you probably saved my life. And I owe all of you a great debt now. So I want to give you these keepsakes as a as a thank you. And so if each of you could roll a D100. Oh, sick. I texted you about this, Corey, and you didn't answer me, so I'm just going to do oh, it. Oh, anyway. I'm, I'm just. No, it's not a problem. You need the 97. Okay, so... <coughs> So he reaches in his pocket and Edric fumbles around a little bit. Not his pocket, his backpack. And um, he he looks at Krug and he looks into his pocket. He's like, yeah, this is the one. And he pulls out a glass slipper, a single oh. one. <laughs> and he, and he kind of like holds the bottom of your hand and places it in your hand. He's like, this will bring you good fortune, my friend. Thank you so much. Think nothing of it. And I, I pat him on the back. I appreciate the gift. You, you can trade it, honestly. Like, if you find something you need and, and uh, they're willing to barter, I know, I know uh, purchasing and trading works a little differently around here, but you can certainly use this. I would not be offended. It's, it's a great gift. <laughs> It's literally just a glass slipper. Gotcha. Scuffed up a little bit from being in his pocket, rattling around in there. Awesome. And then uh, Soren, he looks at you and reaches in and pulls out a a tiny little coffin. And uh, he puts it in your hand. He's like, friend, this contains the ashes of a troll. 
I don't know what it's used for, but I've heard it's good. <laughs> and again, if you don't want this, you can absolutely trade it. it it's good currency where I come from. You are a strange one. <laughs> and and then put it in my pocket. Well, I don't know. How big is this? It's just tiny. It's just like a little keychain size one. <laughs> <laughs> and then, Dandre, you revived me and you brought me back from the brink. And I, I, I don't know if I can repay you, but I will certainly try. But in the meantime, here, have these. And he, and he passes you a set of 47, a set of glasses. And when you look at the glasses, (laughs) when you look at the glasses, you notice that the lenses are so dark you cannot see through them. (laughs) Hopefully these will help guide you on your path. (laughs) Put the blast shield down, I can't see anything. (laughs) Use the force. And he hands them to Andre. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it was not your time to go yet. All of, these, all of these things my people consider treasures and are often traded or, or, or uh, treated as lucky charms. So please, I hope they bring you all luck. And thank you again. Thank you. Truly was the least you could do. (laughs) The very least. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, that was, that was close. So with my new coffin, I'll walk back to my room and say, I'm going to go clean up. I'll be back out in an hour. Um, you all kind of enjoy your time, however you see fit eating, resting. Uh, you do get an hour of, of rest in for a short rest. Um, Andre, you kind of have this axe at your hilt. Um, you didn't notice it at the time that it was handed to you by Jux, but as it sat on your hip, you felt this kind of uncomfortable cold against your skin. And as the hour passes, you start to feel that cold dissipate as it kind of warms to your flesh. And um, are you going to attune to this item? I sure am. So as you you attune to that and you take that attunement from Jux, um, obviously it opens up everything for that hand axe for you, uh, but it does need to spend... Uh, it does need to spend the night in uh, in water or snow or ice. That's right. That's right. For you to gain those the, the first amount of charges. Yeah. Um, in my room, do I have a window? Uh, yes. Yes, there are windows in all the room. Uh, very solid. Very solid glass windows. Okay. I'll I'll just make note of that and I'll. Uh... I'm not going down for a long rest, so I'll keep it on me. Yeah. Um, so an hour 
an hour passes as Sorna's kind of come back downstairs. Um, it's nearly six o'clock. You know, it's about 20 minutes to as uh, you see Evander Kane sitting at his table near the hearth, uh, enjoying a glass of wine. <clears throat> Are any of you sitting down in the room? Yeah, I'll come down and uh, sit in the room and wait for everybody to get around, and I guess it's time to go, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Evander is down as well. Evander Kane kind of gets up when he sees you, Krug. Says, I hope that your meeting with Dufessa goes well. She is a, a shrewd woman, but she knows these parts better than any. She has been the longest standing speaker in all of 10 towns for nigh on 15 years. She will be able to impart some wisdom. Better yet, she will be able to vouch for you, for the people of Bryn Shander. Well, I hope she's a very reasonable woman. I'm sure she's wise if she's been in the speaker for longer than anyone else. I, she was a very young lady when she got it, and she is wise. And I hope she will listen to you. And um, are you guys, uh, with that, going to depart towards the town hall? I think so. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you make your way out into the. Every time you walk outside, you're you're always hit with that that cold. Except you, Edric, uh, you're still feeling feeling the effects of the boon of your queen. As you walk out into the streets, um, it's still quite lively outside. Although there's not as many people out on the street, there's still people passing by and wanderers, kids running around. As you make your way to the city square, um, where there's still bartering and trading going on in the city center. Um, as you walk out of the north look, uh, Krug, you kind of you look to the north gate. Um, you don't notice anything out of the ordinary. You kind of look to see if you can, you know, see if the guards have held true to their word or not. Uh, but you don't know. As you make your way south along the street, and uh, a short while later, um, you kind of come to the the town hall. Has a it's a large building. It's got a speaker platform out front of it, um, and then you see this kind of large mansion for this area um, attached to the back of this that has its own very clearly gated entrance. Um, as you approach the gate, uh, you see the man that you had met before kind of standing attention at the gate um, as Markham Southwell kind of dips his head as you approach and he opens up the, the gate to lead inside the property. Oh, jeez. Uh, did we just set up Isabai in a room then, and he's just gonna chill? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, shit. I, yeah, I feel like uh, OJ probably would have offered to 
leave him in his room because he he went out to rest as well. You find him a room. You you could just sleep on your floor. No, no, no. Like in his own room. Yeah, just yeah. Treat treating him well. Nice. You set up Isabai. He's well fed, uh, gloriously for what he's used to. Um, He seems very content uh, with his surroundings, uh, being nicer than most likely anything he's ever seen before. Um, And yeah, he's very, very content to stay on the floor of your room as you guys make your way to the town hall and to the home of Devesta Shane. As as, uh, man, this name is really killing me. Markham. As Markham opens the gate and kind of walks you towards the front of the house. Gentlemen, I will require that all of you leave any arms that you have at the gate with me. I will see to it that nothing befalls them, but there are no weapons allowed inside. Yeah, Krug's not too worried about it. He puts his, he gives his weapons up, all his daggers, everything. He probably went pretty casual, anyways. Yeah, hundred percent. Uh, everybody else is good. Oh. Includes our shields and everything, right? Uh, yeah, shields, weapons. You know, he he's not searching you guys, uh, but. He knows his craft and his trade as he watches you, you know, take off daggers and spears and axes. Yeah, Andre will kind of bundle all his, his hand axes and his his uh, mace and everything in, in his shield. Um, he kind of collects them all. Uh, he puts them off to the side in, in a, you know, a small little alcove balcony. Um, well, main floor balcony, like a patio section. Patio is a terrible word. Um, and as he does this, the door opens and there's a well-dressed elderly man. Good evening, my lords. Please welcome as he opens the door and invites you into the house. My name is Gentry and I will be your servant for the evening. If you need anything above and beyond, please do not hesitate to ask. You are guests of the speaker, Professor Shane, and I am an extension of that kindness. Please follow me as he kind of walks uh, through the main opening of this house. There's nothing elaborate. Um, there's a large chandelier in this open area. There's staircases, um, you know, two staircases leading to an upper balcony. Uh, he leads you off to the right uh, into another room uh, where there's a large table um, with seats and a large hearth in the corner. Uh, it's very warm. It's very inviting. Um, you definitely don't need layers of clothing in here as uh, he seats each of you at the table. The lady of the house will be along shortly. Please enjoy some beverages. As you see on the table, there's you know, goblets of wine, an ale, and water laid out for you. Hey, um, yeah. I, I just need to reset my computer real quick. Sorry. No, no, no problem. Is it okay if I keep going while you do that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. 
Um, you kind of take in your surroundings as you sit by the fire. Um, there's no music. It's, it's quiet. As uh, you see a young man walk into the room, he sets up with a small violin. Begins playing, you know, some very quiet kind of melodic background music. Oh, 15 minutes later, uh, the lady of the house, Duvessa, walks up, walks into the room. Um, please <laughs> sit, as I'm sure you all stood up. Um, we have much to discuss, and I do not have a lot of time, so I'm hoping that we can talk about what it is you're doing here in Bryn Shander and how you can be best put to use to help us in this truly perilous time. I understand that you have helped many people already and the valor that you showed in fighting the orcs is very much appreciated. If you don't mind me asking, what brings you all here? What is your motives for coming to this remote and helping us in our quest against this never-ending frost? For myself, I'd, I'd like to ensure the safety and prosperity of everyone in Ten Towns. I, I'd like to bring up a very specific issue. Running out of time, this poor this man is being sacrificed. Are you aware of this, Duvessa? She looks down. You, you don't see her waver at all, though, as she kind of looks at you and goes, Yes, I'm aware of it. I was the one that put it into action, unfortunately. It is not something that I want, but sometimes being a leader means you have to make hard decisions. And the people of Icewind Dale, the people of Ten Towns, are at a loss for what to do. So they demanded sacrifices. If I'm to keep the will of the people strong, I must do what I see fit. And unfortunately, what we had to offer was people. Is there nothing else that can be done? Is there any way I can help? I would suggest that you go about your quest as quickly as you can. We need to find the heart of this problem. We need to stop Oriel. Andre is going to clear his throat. Lady Duvessa, we have been talking to Evander Kane. He he mentioned that the city and the denizens up here needs something to move in and something to perhaps rally them. And maybe we can. <clears throat> step into that position with of course your blessing and your assistance but 
people in large groups don't tend to know what they want, and sacrifices are a quick and easy solution. They think it appeases a god when us mere mortals don't have any idea of what really appeases the god. I, I do not fault you, but sacrifices in the name of Oriel is short-sighted. She's not interested in sacrifices. But to appease your people, if it's what you need help with, perhaps we can step into that role while we go about our business. Ah, replacing the weak hope of a sacrifice for the real hope of heroes that can do some good in this world is a noble idea. I will speak to Anamander. He is the leading priest of the Morning Lord, and quite frankly, the one who has strongly, most strongly, demanded these sacrifices be held. I will see what I can accomplish there for you though I make no promises. His faction is large, and I do not know what they will want in return. But I will speak to him on your behalf, and hopefully we can put an end to this. Well, you continue to make gains in helping the people of Ten Towns. How, how common are human sacrifices for like gods like Loth? Uh, for gods like Loth, possibly a little bit different. I think every god would have their own kind of demands, Loth being slightly on the wicked side. Uh, rebels in, in chaos and death. I don't know much about sacrifices for her, to be honest yeah. with you. Just um, trying to figure out how Soren feels about all this, because I feel like... God like Loth and those being the predominant gods in the Underdark, human sacrifice is not a uncommon thing. Yeah. And now well, we've interrupted somebody's fate of dying, and the other person with the Raven Queen symbols is speaking for the gods. Um, I'm just trying to figure out how Sorn feels about this situation. Yeah, no, sacrifices yeah. are are quite quite prevalent. Uh, especially in your area with a lot of the gods, Sorn. Um, especially with Loth, this would seem um, like the, the priestesses of Loth would make sacrifices uh, to gain valuable information from the, I'm going to say yokels. It's not yokels, but they're the handmaidens of Loth uh, in the underworld. Um, so yeah, this would probably seem very commonplace for you. And on my end, knowing Lathander more, or could I do a religion check to to find out on if it's common to do human sacrifices for Lathander or the Morning Lord? Yes, of course. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because I was holding holding any actions at the gate or. Oh, huh, You're a wealth of knowledge, Dan. I'm just a fucking nerd, really. 
Two sacks. Um, you would know that more often than not, Lathander being like being the the god that's called upon to bless birth and fertility. That this would be something outside of the ordinary. Um, but for him to to bless a sacrifice uh, would probably go against would probably go against their general teachings. Um, it seems like a very desperate thing to you. Yeah, and it's desperate times, so it'd be okay. Interesting. Thank you. Oh, and what was the name of our Anna, Anamander? Anamander. He's the high priest of. Yeah, the high priest of the morning lord in Brinchander. Okay. Thank you. So, how long has Anamander been serving as high priest here in Brinchander? Only a few years, actually. One year to be exact. He took over. When the previous lord died, you can only imagine that he, Anamander holds a lot of sway and power with the, more the poverty stricken and the downtrodden of Brinchander. These are people that have lost their crops. They've lost their livelihoods, the ability to fish, to feed themselves. In the last year, he began to gain more and more power amongst these people. And as you know, people of a town grant power because it gives them something to rally towards. Uh, he ended up overthrowing his predecessor. And sadly, it was him that was the first sacrifice as Anamander took control of, of the House of the Morning. Uh, the predecessor's name was Jax. That is very unbecoming of <clears throat> a follower of Lethander, the Morning Lord, but desperate times. It was desperate times. It has been desperate times. My people are starving. They have not known a day of warmth in over two years. It is hard as children freeze in the night, as death and freezing cold run rampant, trade is stopped, and recently, there has been worse things than that. We've seen orcs at our gate now. For the first time in over 20 years, has Bryn Shander been attacked? Has anyone in Icebindale been attacked by a force like that? A raiding party, perhaps. But to have two banners of orcs 
come all the way from the spines of the world and fight together against our city bodes ill. There are dark tidings from everywhere through Icewind Dale. Dark tidings indeed. Reports of theft, murder, and other nefarious things have been wreaking havoc on all parts of Ten Towns. Of course, I believe you've heard of the killings that have started. Murders of some of our noble-born. Oh, <laughs> um, I believe Evander Kane has spoken to you of this killer that needs stopping as quickly as we can. All of these attribute to my people losing faith. And as my people lose faith in their leadership, they turn to these upstarts like Anamander that preach salvation for the poor and the downtrodden that are affected the most by these atrocities. Do we have any leads on the killings? Duvessa? Uh, well, I had one of my, well, what was once one of the best bounty hunters in Icewind Dale on it. But he's old now and enjoys his comforts a little too much. But Hill Trollbane has some information, I believe, on the killer. Uh, yes. He's at very least tracked him down, but he lacks the virility nowadays to apprehend such a such a foe. Yeah, we got a lot of the lowdown from Evander about the killings and a real Gramchak's need for mead. The Zenterum infiltrating organizations. Hopefully we can solve them one by one. Yes. The people the people in these towns only see the small the smallness of the problems. Like the mead issue. Yes, it is a problem. But what's worse is that our enemies are beginning to amass in full. I've heard of verbiags to the south affecting the mead. I've heard of worse things to the north, where the dwarves take up residency in Calvin's Cairn. We've heard of knolls to the far west, and worse things than that. Truly, these are dark times. It's as if there's a great evil pulling at all of these denizens of the dark and the cold that are now coming against us. Are any of you familiar? With Chaldoran. Uh, I am not familiar with... What was that? Chaldoran? Chaldoran. Yes. And as you see, she kind of looks to uh, the back where your guys' servant was. And she kind of gives him a nod. And he walks out of the room. And he returns a second later. And he brings in this big glass uh, glass case. Um, it's about the size, uh, it's about the size of a, 
kind of like an aisle. No, not that big. Like the size of a chair. Small, a small chair, like a bar stool. As he comes in with this glass case and he puts it into the middle of the table. Uh, and inside is this jagged piece of... It doesn't look like ice. It looks like... Uh, it almost looks like a, a frozen piece of ore that's inside the case. This is children. It grows naturally in the wilds of Icewind Dale. But many, many years ago, it was turned evil and used for evil purposes. Are you aware of the story of the Companions of the Hall? Um, can I roll a history or anything? Uh, yeah, you can roll a history. I'd also like to roll that. Yeah, you could roll that as well. Not my rolls tonight, boys. No, that's okay. Uh, Krug, you you don't know much. You don't know much about this. Um, just in your travels in the world, um, you know these these kind of names haven't hit you much. Um, Andre, you know you know quite a bit about the history uh, of of Icewind Dale because of the stories told in Mithril Hall. Um, obviously, King Brunor being one of these companions of the Hall, uh, his exploits would have been boasted about. Um, you know, extensively. Um, so Devesa relates to you the story of the companions of the hall and, and kind of how they came to being. Um, she tells you of, of their names and I'll, I'll, I'll write you guys, uh, I'll have a write-up put on the journals kind of outlining this, this story if you guys are unfamiliar with it in, in real life. Um, but essentially, the companions of the hall were made up of uh, a rogue dro uh, named Dritz Duerden, uh, who teamed up with Brunor Battlehammer when the before they reclaimed Mithril Hall. This was they they King Brunor was was the king of of Kelvin's Cairn and had a very very small regiment of dwarves, um, and they teamed up with um, one of the members of the elk tribe named Wolfgar, who had adopted, uh, King Brunner actually adopted him. So there was all these companions of the hall. Um, she kind of goes through and talks about them all. She tells you of the battle 125 years ago against a, a lowly acolyte turned powerful wizard named Akar Kessel. Akar had found, or some would argue it had found him, but he found a piece of this cauldron that, that had a sentient being trapped inside of it. And that, that being's name was Krenishibon. And Krenishibon bestowed upon a carcassel powers untold that he used to build this gigantic fortress of ice north of, ice, of, north of Kelvin's Cairn. And from that, um, Krenishibon summoned evil throughout the land to gather together under his banner and he waged war upon the people of ten, ten towns um, again only because the companions of the hall managed to bind all of the, the tribes of the Regad together and the dwarves of Kelvin's Cairn and the people of ten towns were they able to repel this attack which turned into a Kessel being slain 
by Dred Stewart on on the the summit of Kelvin's Cairn. What had happened though was Kranishiban uh, had gotten into the ground itself, and the chandel of uh, the chartolin chartolin that now grows out of out of the ice and earth is most of the times poisoned and will turn people you know turn people mad essentially as she kind of relates this story to you you're staring at this this piece of children in this glass container um she tells you that not all of it was always bad uh and some of it still grows naturally um and actually has a lot of um powers to make spells and stuff more powerful. Um, she doesn't know too many specifics about it, um, but she tells you that recently large pieces of this fact uh, that was, was commonplace 125 years ago, a lot of these artifacts have been found and stolen from around 10 towns. Um, she tells you that it it seems that people are out there trying to find this char chartolin for some what's a really shitty word uh chaldron for some reason um and it's kind of becoming a, a major point among the speakers of ten towns um that they're having issues with these artifacts going missing um she also talks. Uh, about Regis, uh, who was one of the companions of the hall. Um, and she instructs you that if you should need more information about the companions, uh, that Regis is the last one left in the area. And he can be found along the banks of Lonelywood. And she explains to you where, Lonely, where Lonelywood is on the map, which will be marked. Uh, kind of in the, the, north, the northeast on the, on the lake of Merdulodon. And uh, Regis is known locally for his carvings of scrimshaw, which is the, the bones of the knuckle-headed trout that are kind of infamous uh, throughout the lakes of Merdulodon. And are now harder and harder to get, obviously, as the, the lakes have frozen over and fishing is becoming more and more obsolete. Is there anything else? Any more information that I can impart upon you to help you with this? I hope you understand the scope of what we are facing here. There is a darkness befallen this town, befallen all of Icewind Dale, that I believe is greater than just the freezing call of Oriel. Geez, I guess the question now is where to start? We must, as you say, Krug, we must replace things like this fear and hardship that the people of Brinchander have, we need to replace it with hope and light. And perhaps you four could be that hope. 
Yeah. Yeah, it does sound pretty good. We could find out who's uh, trying to kill all those people. That was going to be my first suggestion, too. I like that idea. If the people have less, if the people have less to fear, they will have more to hope for. And they will rally behind you in your time of need. Did she tell us where we'd find Hale? Uh, Hale, uh, Hale Trollbore, uh, <laughs> Hale. Evander told us, uh, North, lives near Northlook. Uh, sorry, yeah, you will, uh, yes. Hale, uh, you will find him at Kelvin's Comfort. He's taken up a boat there. Uh, again, in his later years, he lives quite an easy life, as he's, he did quite well for himself as a bounty hunter back in the day. And he spends his time in one of the finer establishments. And that is also marked on your Bryn Chander map. Oh, why don't we go pay him a visit tomorrow? Sounds like he's as good a place as any to start. And I think paying a visit to the House of the Morning Lord is a good sense as well. By the way, we have your sacrifices waiting at the gates and is probably about to be sacrificed. Can we? Perhaps you need not worry about that, fair dwarf. I will make my way to the gates at once. I will handle the sacrifice for now. I think it's pertinent that we have a fruitful conversation with this Anamander. Yes, he is. He is difficult, but I will warn you that some diplomacy is needed here. I would be more than happy to speak with him on your behalf. I fear that his sanctimoniousness is off-putting to some such as yourself. I have met many of the like. I am a man of the cloth myself, though not of Lithander. Um, if you, you do speak have with me them. as a gift, I, I, I will happily speak with him, but of course, it is on his terms. Of course. As long as you show diplomacy um, as befitting of your rank and title. Just silently nods, showing his most diplomatic place itself. <laughs> uh, gentlemen, <laughs> uh, if you need anything else, uh, Evander Kane, again, is, for better or for worse, leading this expedition. The speakers have voted, as for the Council of Waterdeep, for him to be the leader and the speaker of ten towns in this time of need. So... He will be able to direct you wherever you wanted to go, but while you're in these city walls, I wanted to meet you and at least gauge for myself your efforts. And I believe that I believe that you can help the people. As uh, she kind of stands up, and uh, if there's nothing else, I have one last thing for you before you depart. As Again, she nods to the servant, 
who walks out and uh, walks back in to the room, uh, holding from what you can see is this kind of blue, uh, blue tipped rod about, uh, you know, about a foot and a half long. Um, it's very peculiar, very peculiar looking as she walks over and hands it to Devesa. We have access to certain things in this realm. It's not without its secrets, but I would like to impart upon you a gift from my own household. I hope it can help you in uh, your travels. As again, with the freezing cold of Oriel, it isn't easy to make it from one place to another. And many have died in the open tundra. And uh, yeah, I will be putting this into... all of your journals. And I believe it should be there now. And she kind of hands this rod uh, over to you, Krug, as she walks up to you and, and kind of hands this rod to you with both of her hands. You notice it's got this kind of ornately built ice dome, what looks to be like a domicile, on top of it. And uh, can you guys see it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ah, okay, sweet. So yeah, you got that. Uh, obviously, it can build you guys icy shelter while you're out in the out in the tundra. Uh, and no attunement is necessary, and anybody can can use it. I really appreciate this, Divessa. We'll put it to good use. It'll really come in handy. Well, I pray for you all, and I. Wish you all the success. If you need anything from me personally, you have but to ask Markham, and he will contact me. Okay. And yeah, with that, you see uh, the servant come back in, uh, whose name I've clearly forgotten. And he kind of stands up and bids you guys to follow him out the door. Yeah, that's a cool item. Is that the sound of a fire in the background? Yeah. That a boy chair. Um, yeah, as you guys kind of make your way out of the town hall, uh, Markham Southwell is standing at attention by the door and hands you all back your, your things, which are all properly in order and accounted for as you make your way into the cold. Um, it's about 7.30 now. As uh, you see, you know, only moments after um, Duvessa walks out of the house, kind of nods to you, and her and uh, Markham start to make their way uh, north to the Northlook Gate. So are we retiring for the night? I would like to talk to... Beldora one last time tonight. I uh, I tell everybody I'm gonna I'm gonna go clear my head. Um, the thought of them having sacrificed people while we've been here uneases me. I'll meet you back at the inn. Um, Krug, she would have given you her residency. 
she obviously poses as a kind of a homeless person on the street, uh, but she did give you her, her residency, which is near the area that you saw her. And are the rest of you heading back to the inn? I think so. Time for rest. <clears throat> Did she not feed us? She invited us for dinner, but I don't remember talking about dinner. <laughs> yeah. but you guys know already at the end, so, so there was there was uh there I'm was so there was, fucking hungry right now. Yeah, now <laughs> I'm fucking starving. <laughs> there was there was like uh uh oh, snacks. God. Yeah, Edric, just before they were leaving, took the little uh, platter of snacks and... The charcuterie board? Yeah, yeah, and just dumped it into his sack. Nuts and figs and, you know, (laughs) whatever else. There was not much left when you got to it. (laughs) As you guys make your way uh, back to the inn, and uh, Krug, uh, you make your way uh, to Belladonna's residency. You stand outside of like a, a very moderate looking home. I knock. Uh, who is it? Well, Dora, it's Krug. Ah. She opens the door and lets you in. Yes, Krug, what can I do for you? I just want a little bit of information on uh, Duvessa. I know we had suspects of Evander and Nerf, but what of. What of Duvessa? What do you think of her? I believe Duvessa acts for the best of her people. She's a good speaker. She's a good leader from what I've seen. Um, she has very much the same alignment as the Lords and the Harpers, for that matter. She wants what's best for her community. That is for sure. She's been a strong speaker for many, many years. I trust in her to be, to be a good leader. Okay. Yeah, I didn't catch anything suspicious about her, but I'm sure you're better at these things. I just wanted to run that by you. Appreciate that. <laughs> of course. Uh, did you meet with her? Yeah. Yeah, she had mentioned there's a few more things going on. Knolls, uh, fur, fur bogs. Um, yeah. Verbeegs, just to not confuse it with furbolds. Yeah, okay. I, uh, I only type so fast. Um, <laughs> I will have detailed, detailed notes on this, uh, this session, not to worry. Sweet. We're going to start talking to Hilm about the murders, catch up on his investigation, and hopefully be able to close the case. She kind of laughs. Ah, uh, yes. The uh, infamous bounty hunter of Ten Towns. Uh, he's definitely not what he used to be from what I heard, but I'm sure he can point you in the right direction. Okay. Well, you have a good night, Baldora. I'm going to turn in. <laughs> you as well, Krug. I look forward to seeing you soon. Uh, as you uh, peace out, peace out back to the uh, back to the inn. Yep. All right. Uh, you guys all make it back to the North Look Inn, which is is still kind of uh, you know bubbling with people, although it is starting to get a little bit later. Uh, the same half elf is is on stage uh, playing a different song at this point. Um, 
but when he sees you walk in, he kind of, of winks at you. Um, and then, uh, boys, do we want, is there anything else we want to accomplish th- this evening? I know it was a long session of information. For me, it seems like that's, uh, that's a good chapter there. Yeah, I'm good either way. Sorry, guys. It was a, it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a lot here, and I got, I'll, I'll put together pretty good notes on everything. I hate to leave it on such a anticlimactic uh, session, but it, it's got wow, a little okay. bit. We made moves. Yeah. So, one thing is, Soren would have known about the Champion of the Halls. I guess now that you tell the story, I would have known at least parts of those stories. Yes, you for sure. Yeah, you would have. Uh, you would have known a lot about the exploits of of Dritz himself. Right. Um, following him like through the Underdark as well. Uh, you know him to be hated amongst the Drow society, uh, especially in certain circles uh, that you would follow. Uh, you would also know him to be uh, more friendly, though, with your alignment. Right, and he and Jarlaxle are good buddies, right? Uh, yeah, I would use the term buddies loosely. Right, right. Uh, but they've definitely had working relationships in the past, and, uh, and they definitely know of one another, yes. Yeah. Any other questions? I'm, lo- I've, I'm loving this lore dump, personally. <laughs> Yeah, me too. Yeah, I'll get a good write up on everything for you guys as well, just so you're kind of familiar with, with you know the happenings, and and a lot of it was just setting up for, you know, things that are kind of going going on around the area, and kind of setting the tone that there's, you know, a, a lot a lot going on. Unfortunately, not a lot of people that you've spoken with yet have much information on, or real herself. It's it's not like. Oh yeah, she's at this location, and you just have to go and find her. She's a god. Of not, not sure we're ready to face a god. And uh, we did level up. We did level up to three quite quickly in this. So just stick with it. You guys will start leveling up here soon. Cool. Um, can I, uh, if I get an opportunity with Krug here. Can I pull him aside for a second? Oh yeah, of course. What is it, Andre? He just muted himself. I saw that. Oh, secret aside? All right. Oh, some can't technical difficulties? Yeah, we can't hear you at all. Not nothing. Sounds well, like you threw your mic down the hallway. <laughs> Shit. Oh, you were better. Better now? Yes. Yeah. Ah, sweet. We haven't talked much. Small one, but... Where, from where do you hail? 
Well, I originate from the forests around Silvery Mood, which is south of here, but I, uh, I've spent a few years now in Silvery Moon under the militia and uh, gained some rapport doing uh, campaigns with them and the army of Silvery Moon and the Lord's Alliance. So I guess you could say I'm just, just the foot soldier trying to get uh, the right things done around here. I see you. You seem to have a well-developed sense of honor and respect for peoples that don't return that respect for you. Not I spent a lot of time around other demi-humans all living together, and it's I never really thought of it before I lived there, but it, it can work if, if everybody shows understanding to each other's differences. So I really try hard to make a good impression on those I come by. Is this a completely side conversation, or are we all kind of present? Um, Andre just being... Uh... A little bit solitary. He's way better one-on-one, but he he wouldn't be opposed to anyone kind of sidling up on the same table. It it, it would be uh, at a table in the common room where they could speak. So, yeah. So you guys are kind of all sitting at a sitting at a table, but Andre and Krug are kind of having a conversation off to the side, but at the table. Yeah, I like that. <clears throat> you bring, you bring a, a steady hand with your sword to the, to the group that we find ourselves in. And I'm grateful for your, your steady heart. Um, it's, Clear to me what's what's going on in this this northern realm. I I haven't been here in many many years. It's it's concerning to say the least. Uh, it's also concerned me. You you appear to disappear from time to time. Is is. Are things okay, Krug? Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm just, you know, talking to, talking to the people of the town, trying to figure out where exactly I can lend a hand, you know. Um, and for now, that's uh, that's what Krug says. Okay. Um, can I, can I roll an insight on that? I don't mind if you, if you, absolutely, because <laughs> Crap's not very good at it. So. Insight versus deception. Oh jeez. Oh, oh nice one. Or, or wow. Whatever you, whatever you choose to. <laughs> Krug, Krug's like looking to the side eye and like emptiness, like trying trying to avoid eye contact. <laughs> Just help it out. All right then. Uh. As you must, if 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 it's going to help our campaign here, 
Well, something we must do. I might have a steady hand with a sword, but I'm not good at everything. So I appreciate, you know, your sturdiness. I appreciate everybody's contribution. And I couldn't be doing it without you guys. What uh, what brings you here? Changing the subject. <laughs> <laughs> I have many, many old close friends. Clan Battlehammer. This was originally just a trip to rekindle some of those old friendships and perhaps find find a voice for the Raven Queen in in the northern reaches. She is one of the queens of winter, um, Oriel notwithstanding. It is in my highest interest to protect the balance between life and death. Ah, a man of unwavering faith. I appreciate that. It wasn't always that way, that way, my friend. I will take note of the mention of the Raven Queen. Oh, so I, so I, I know you had asked it earlier, but are we, are we actually near each other? Yeah, I think we're at the same table. Okay, so at the mention of the the Queens of Winter, uh, there are many Queens of Winter? As far as I know, uh, Oriel is um, the god or goddess of... She's the cold goddess, and she wreaks havoc on the denizens of the North. She's an evil one. I'm told she is a a false god, and and she's she she's not exactly what she seems to be. I don't I don't know everything about it, but uh, my queen has sent me here to help dismantle her, uh, I guess, kingdom. I don't know how. But, uh, yeah. She is my goddess many years ago, was considered a, a lesser god as well, a demigod. And uh, through many pursuits, she found her way into um, a higher status as a god. And what oh. she protects is 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 important whereas as you say and i'm sure your queen has said unto you oriel is dangerous and self-proclaimed as the goddess of winter that position is already held by my raven queen oh i keep Edric <laughs> kind of just is taken aback a little bit. Oh, 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 my my queen is a god, the goddess of winter. <laughs> He's acting like there must be some kind of misunderstanding, like like um. 
how do I put this? Um, my my queen is is a queen of death as well. It's how it sounds like there are a lot of parallels between your your goddess and my queen. Um, she is also known as the queen of air and darkness. And, and she rules over the court of winter. And as far as I know, the, this realm is, is this, this uh, Ariel and, and her new taken uh, area is, is sacrilege onto the, the, my queen. And that's why I'm here. As you're saying this, Wundre's um, eyes kind of light up just with the kind of the deeper, headier discussion. Mm. Um, I suppose the interpretations of my goddess, the Raven Queen. She is often called the Ice Queen because she gained power during the season of winter. Oh. So perhaps the interpretation can change from, as always, with gods and goddesses and demigods and so on, and, and indeed kings and queens and mortals. Interpretation of the exact extent of their rule can can change based on they whom they rule over. Yeah. What is your king's your queen's name? Edric pauses. He holds his uh, left arm where you had previously saw the burn. Her name is uh, Queen Mab. Mabe? Mab. She, she is not exactly the most wonderful uh, monarch that you could ask for, but she is ours. She, ke she has kept us safe and provided for us, and uh, we owe her everything. And although I can't, I can't fully understand her motives and uh, what drives her vision. Um, I am indebted to her, so I am here. We we don't often understand the motives of our, our kings and queens, and you have. Half elf, I see you bear bear a shield similar to mine. I too serve the Raven Queen. Forgive my distrust. We have your people and mine. We have many years of, of difficult history to continue to work through, but. It 
warms uh, my heart to see her on your shield. I, I've i been a part of that history. I've been slain by a dwarf once. <laughs> and it was just like a kind of a deadpan look in Ondre's eyes. Doesn't quite understand. I, I will not expand on it. <laughs> what brings you here, Sorn? I'm here representing uh, Bregan de Arth. Jack Sarl has sent me to help. And I do as I'm told. You have contact with you. With your clan back home. Um, I, I don't. I mean, there would be no representation of Bregan de Arth anywhere in the area, right? Uh, no. There, you don't necessarily have anybody here. Uh, but they do have. Uh, they do have ways of of reaching out to you. Yeah. So I would just say. They need to speak to me. They will. Uh, side note, Dan. What's super cool about that is they have a uh, little known psion assist in their group <laughs> that uh, that can that can reach quite quite far. You you may recognize them from some other campaigns. There, Andre. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Keeping it real. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Uh, I, I play in in Dan's campaign. I play um, a psionicist that's uh, that's that's high again. It's not the exact same person, but he's high up in Bregan the Earth. Andre's gonna. Yeah, I would just be noticeably short with my answers. Yeah. I'm not sure I quite trust this gang. Especially after a kobold attacked a guard earlier. <laughs> not sure how much they align <laughs> with, with my goals. Arg has a strong sense of justice. <laughs> and it seems we should have... not interfere with fate. Seems we have some work to be done tomorrow. There's conversations to have, and which shall we take on first? Should we split, or should we go one by one with these conversations? I say we seek out Hale in the morning before he has a chance to imbibe it too much. <laughs> And let us solve one problem at a time and see where it leads us. Definitely seems like a good idea. We need, apparently need to gain the trust of the citizens here, and I think that talking to him and solving these murders would get us better favor with the people around here. 
I agree. Let's work through diplomacy and speech rather than attacking guards. But if anybody touches my boy, I'll tell you what. <laughs> oh, your, your boy likes to tussle. <laughs> <laughs> tussle with the muscle. Yeah. I will see if I can set up an appointment with Anamander for the afternoon. We will dine with him or discuss with him. I'm curious to see what kind of man he is. Uh, seems that he is wielding a power he doesn't understand, at least misrepresenting in the light of Lithander. Maybe I, I feel like I couldn't contribute much to that dinner. Maybe in while that's happening, we can kind of. Have a look at, uh, at his temple or his building or whatever. Not to say that you distract him and we necessarily, one or two of us, <laughs> ransack and see, maybe go through his stuff. But uh, sometimes people aren't as straightforward. And this man seems like he's got a lot going on, a lot on this plate. So maybe... Uh, Maybe I could dig something up as well while you do that. I love that idea. Be fun. I'm really good at tell- hiding. <laughs> and we start with Trollsbane in the morning. We should figure out what we're going to do with this goblin as well. We cannot just keep him at the inn indefinitely. So this is something I've been meaning to ask. We've got this goblin. And Krug is not unlike a goblin. So why do we keep hiding this goblin? Andre sighs. It's... (laughs) I find it... It's a difficult road to walk. Our goblins seen up here in past times, goblins were mostly unwelcome in this city, as far as I can remember, but... I'm mostly interested in his his knowledge, and it seems cruel to let him die alone in the, in the ice, in the barren wastes. Absolutely. He wouldn't have stood a chance. But why, why not leave him secure and then, I don't know, try to get him back with his people? Are we, are we trying to leverage him? Yeah, with the goblins actively interrupting the iron ore st- travels, I think it'd be a good idea to hopefully negotiate with them so the dwarves can conduct their business safely. He seems to have a a connection or some sort of um, admiration for his leader. 
might be worth keeping and I, around and giving him purpose with us. DM, can I make a, a, a historical insight check? <laughs> uh, when, when he brought up his leader, um, yeah. my, I, I was kind of wondering if he was being dishonest. And, and he was saying, yeah, the people in my town, they love me. They'll do anything for me. Is there some kind of insight check that I can make yeah, on that? Yeah, you can roll. Yeah, you can roll insight. <clears throat> um, you could. You're pretty observant when it comes to how people are talking and what they're saying. Uh, you identify, uh, and you're not overly familiar with goblins necessarily, but. This particular creature had an extremely overinflated sense of himself, um, as a, as a lot of stupid, you know, right? So, uh, so intelligent creatures will have. So, uh, like, I, I, I did, I did perceive that in your tone. So that it, it is what it sounded like. You're saying, like, it just sounded like he was just trying to pump his own tires to give himself value, so that maybe we don't just cut his throat in the night, or we just get well, him home. He's definitely a leader amongst his people, um, and and you saw that just he he was leading that that foraging expedition, which is obviously quite important to the the goblin way of life and and their continued existence uh, during these harsh times. Uh, you did pick up. You did pick up that he wasn't sure about his leader. Right. There was something mm -hmm. not quite. I feel ranked. like I remember that from a previous session. Yeah, he started kind of complaining about the leader, right? Because yeah. he wouldn't. He wouldn't make the. He was thinking too much or something like that, and then he turned mm -hmm. around on it. Yeah, yeah, I definitely, I definitely picked up on that too. Okay, almost too intelligent. He, he was like, "Oh, he's very intelligent, almost non-goblin-like intelligent." Mm. And then just to turn it around uh, to m try to give himself a little bit more oomph, he mentioned not not as intelligent as me, but he, he truly <laughs> believes he could be a very good ambassador for you. Okay. At Cockalock. He truly believed <laughs> Beyond a shadow of a doubt. So, this goblin seems pretty unsure. I feel like he could be an asset, but we gotta be very careful with this one. And, and maybe that seems obvious, but he has a little bit of a motive and a a sense of self-protection that we may be able to manipulate if we nurture it. It is observance. You may. I suppose he may serve us yet, maybe not to the extent I thought he might, but it is a life, and it is on this side of mortalities. And he has, has not failed us in the small tasks we have 
we've given him. I do have concern for my gold overnight, though. Hmm. Is he staying in your room? Currently, unless he has left while we went to dinner. Well, we have time. I guess we'll make our way. (laughs) Uh, DM, do we... uh, I I think we maybe discussed this last session, but maybe... Forgive me if I forgot. Um, Bryn Shander... How how do they take to goblinoids and goblin goblin folk, especially after maybe especially after this orc attack? Yeah, everybody's there. There are no goblin folk, um, or yeah, orcs, goblins, stuff like that would be seen as as evil, not not in commonplace inside of the towns at all. Uh, gnomes. Um, you know, perhaps could be seen in, in, you know, common civilization. Um, kobolds are a little bit more common. Um, as Krug kind of found out when he first walked into the Northlook Inn and was savagely reamed out by Evander Kane. Uh, but yeah, no, green, green skin, green skins as they would be called, <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't be, wouldn't be let in. June. After thinking on it a sec, you'd say perhaps we, for his own safety, we keep him in loose binds and ensure that he knows he's safest with us. If and when we leave the city walls, we can make our decision to unbind him or not for his own safety. I'm sure if we went to Kelvin's Cairn, he would not be welcome, and it would be... um, If it's a hard sell here in Bryn Shander to get them to accept a goblin, then Kelvin's Cairn will be twice as hard, if not more. With that said... Hypothetically speaking, if a creature that is uncommon in this area were to just suddenly reveal themselves, how do you feel that would be taken? Like, I say uncommon. From what I observe is completely unseen, un... There isn't those kind of people around. Would that, that be bad? Perhaps if a troll or a goblin or a bugbear of sorts, if they appeared, then of course they would be unwelcome more often than not. I'm not sure I take your meeting meaning. Uh, Andre, why don't you roll an insight check? Yeah, like, have we figured it out at this point? I mean, I know that when I cast Detect Magic, there was an aura emanating illusion from his room. Um, <laughs> like, any time I've cast Detect Magic, he would have been when in illusion form 
Like he would have been emanating. Oh, Andre, you do see. Yeah, you're piecing a lot of stuff together here, Andre. As yeah. You've now had. And I, I saw the fur as well, like in that initial burn. To, okay. I don't, I don't know what this means though. So he, he beats my spell DC, which was thirteen, my save. Is, but what does that this, mean for for? Is this oh. a save or just an insight check? Uh, uh, he would have to like is this touch you. And... Check I rolled. Oh, it is an insight check. It's yeah, I think investigation insight gotcha. that he's all this together and whether Andre you know chooses to go forward with it or not he, he definitely knows there's more than meets the eye when it comes to because that, uh, that that's a pretty forward question but like at the same time like Edric and just to, so that everybody can understand his motives is trying to not expand himself further than he needs to he needs to be protected he needs to be safe and yeah, I guess that's all I can say about that. Yeah, and and not Andre end up as be... rabbit stew. Sorry, not end up as rabbit stew. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what that has to do with anything. Gulp. <laughs> um, yeah, and those those three selections, like the goblin and bugbear and troll, were kind of selected <laughs> in that conversation. Um, but I don't. So I'm unsure of. There are many creatures in this universe. It could be greeted with surprise and welcome, or it could be greeted with surprise and disdain. It's, it's a it's a difficult if- world. The, the the reason why I asked this line of questioning, I'm, I'm sure seems super odd. But I was told before I came here that I would not be accepted. And so I have a dilemma. And, and, and as a hmm, people within my tribe and community stick very closely together. So therefore, I've not been in a group of travelers or anything like that. And so my instincts tell me that you guys are are trustworthy. Although everything that has been objectively told to me has been opposite of that. Not about you in particular, but about people, your people. The people of this realm. So I'm hesitant to expose myself too much. Be the time, boy. If the answers should unfold to you, I am in no rush to discover who you are, or necessarily what type of being you are. We are all beginning to learn to trust each other, and indeed I have many secrets that I haven't shared with you, and I'm sure each of you have the same, and I will not share those secrets until they are ready to be shared, so 
That is a decision up to you, Edric. Edric nods. And uh, as you as you nod, you kind of see out of the corner of your eye, Scram Sax is walking up to your table. Well, if it isn't the bloody heroes of Bryn Shander, it's all I've goddamn well heard about all night. Thank you for whatever you said to that goddamn half-elven bard. It's all he's played the whole fucking night. <laughs> so how does it feel then, boys? Hey, to be hailed as heroes on your first real day. Fighting off orc invasions, fighting goblins and direwolves in the depths of the Arctic tundra. The story goes on and on and on. Did you see the orcs? No, I didn't the see the orcs. Of them. I've seen enough orcs in my day. They were massive. They were the size of. Two men standing on each other's shoulders. Scores and scores of them. Four hundred. <laughs> I suppose I told the same tales when I was a younger man. And what have you now that you've scared off all of my business with your tales and your stories of greatness and grandeur? I even heard they stopped a sacrifice because of you. <laughs> I'm sure that'll go well with the preachers and the priests. Well, I guess we got to sort that out in the morning. Yes, well. Where do they keep the imprisoned souls here? They keep most of them in the brigades, in the barracks. In the bottom of the barracks, there's uh, holding cells and such. Bryn Shander doesn't have a lot of crime. It's very well guarded. And the boys do a good job. Right. Is there anything else for you boys this evening? I suppose I will turn it in myself. Edric nods again. Gets up, bows to his friends. Thank you again for helping me. And I hope I can return the favor one day. I, I hope I won't need to, but if you're in need, I will help you. Graham Sachs kind of laughs to himself, muttering something about feeling the love as he walks back to the <laughs> and Edric will go up to his room. Yeah, Soren will excuse himself and go to his room. When he gets there and he's alone, um, he ritual cast detect magic to see if this little coffin had any magical properties. It doesn't. <laughs> it's uh, just a, a little you box. You see a couple glowing items. Around you. Same ones in the one room? Uh, yeah, well, there's a couple new ones now. I don't know who has the rod, but the rod is glowing. Uh, you can see some glowing coming from Andre's room. St. Krug should have the rod. 
feel like yeah, that's Krug, a Krug. Krug had it. Yeah. Some some glowing from the Edric's room. <laughs> What's the door shuts? No. I don't see any glowing. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know how long. We're going to have to check the timing on these uh, spells that you're casting. <laughs> oh, well, they would take 10 minutes. So if we all kind of left at the same time, if he unconcentrated on it when he got in his room, then it wouldn't see anything. The door locks and bears, and <laughs> you, hear, you hear drawers and dressers slide up to the door. <laughs> and Andre, as you uh, get to your room, uh, you notice nothing's out of place and, you know, just curled up on the floor is uh, Isabai just snoring happily, uh, very content with his new life. Um, Andre would take a couple of the snacks that uh, were at the dinner. He stowed away in a pocket, just like, you know, like uh, hard bread or something like that. And just kind of Put them on a, a, a tin plate from his pack. Leave it down there. And then he's going to look at his axe, his new axe. He's going to think on um, Jux for a minute. Because that really took him off guard. And then uh, he's going to say a quick prayer and leave the axe just outside the window. In if there's snow that's growing or that's that's there, he's gonna leave the axe in that snow. Yeah, that's no problem. Yeah, there's definitely a patch. Yeah, and then uh, close the window and then go to bed. And you all, uh, you all bed down for the night, and uh, you haven't. Well, we'll see if you have a we'll see if you have a good uh, quiet slumber. Um, but nobody nobody makes it nobody makes it through the night quite yet. Okay. <clears throat> Just don't don't reset anything. We'll reset it when we start the session. Cool. Too late. I already short rested. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> I short rested. Yeah, me too. <laughs> And uh, with that, we'll we'll call it a night, boys. If that's good with everybody. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thank you much. Hang in the session. It'll it'll get serious. All right. I'll see you guys next week. Awesome. See you next week. Night, guys. All right, guys. Have a good one. Later. Later.